Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We know you're excited to hear Clint Casper talk, but for now, we have to pay the bills. Listen, if you want free content, we have to sell out and pay the bills, just for a brief moment (laughs) of each show. We hope you understand. Skip ahead. Hit that forward 15-second button if you don't care about any of this info. We're going to update you on things we're doing, and we're going to... Talk about our partners. We really believe in them, and you should too. And here's why. Because we support our veterans. Steve, do you have a veteran shout-out? I do. Okay, as a matter of fact. He doesn't have it ready. Yeah, right, son. Good job. Okay. Always ready. No, you're not. Johnny on the spot right here. Hey, yeah. the vet shout-out this week's going to be E.J. White. Uh, E.J. White, the, his branch was U.S. Army 3-504. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, Parachute Infantry, Regiment 82nd Airborne. Um, the additional comments, and this came from our buddy Gene, um, Gene Miller. He said, uh, diehard paratrooper that would give his life for you without question. Two deployments, Operation Just uh, Just Cause Panama, 1989, and Operation Desert Shield slash Storm, 90 to 91. Recently lost his life to a tragic accident, never forgotten. Uh, we have one heck of an advance party waiting in heaven at the final rally point. RIP EJ, thank you for your service. Airborne all the way. So, EJ, thank you for your service to this country. It's a it's a tragedy what happened, but we appreciate that when you were alive, you thought enough to um, serve our country and give us all the freedoms that uh, that you believe that we deserve, and we cannot thank you enough. So, thank you, EJ. We appreciate your service. Thank you, EJ. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that Gene submitted that one. Gene was kind of telling us about it mm-hmm. a little bit about that, and it's just, it's crazy just what happens. But we're thankful for everyone that commits their life to allow us to say dumb shit on a hunting podcast that it really does mean a lot i mean exactly really it's because of them we get to do this stuff and i know that sounds exactly. cliche because you hear it so much but you it's know we're true, super man. thankful if you'd like to submit a veteran shout out working class bowhunter.com and the contact tab has the form there cheers to ej yeah let's cheers to ej cheers buddy cheers, EJ. rest easy buddy in other news here um so August twenty 
24th and 25th, I believe, Illinois Deer and Beer Fest will be in Bloomington, Illinois. We will have a booth there. Who's trying to play me and Kurt in beer pong? You bros want to get hey, smashed? You know what I think we're going to do? We're going to do like a 1 o'clock beer pong competition. If you beat like us, it could be anybody in the working class crew. Then you maybe get some free gear. You don't me, want the smoke. And me and Doug yeah. will take this shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you guys you guys don't want this smoke is what I'm telling you. Oh, I, oh, I overse Illinois. I overse Illinois. So I will dunk on you. I think we're going to have to, like, shit. play each other, and then that's who gets to play whoever comes by to win some gear. Easy. Damn. We need to make sure easy, we don't just easy. let these people off easy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't know, Doug. It might be a little rusty, though. It's been a couple years since I played. Rumor has it They'll that. They'll be for you, them elbows. Oh, rumor has it there's a possibility we could be at Deer Fest in West Bend, Wisconsin earlier that month. Um, more to talk about there. Oh, boy. The last um, time I came home from that show, I didn't get good news. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the working class bow hunter shoot is July 20th, and registration is live, and it's tapering off quick. We have to limit the number. Um, rumor has it that... Josh and Kristen McDaniel are making an appearance. Oh, really? Clark Cummings from Respect the Game TV is making an appearance. <laughs> really? I, don't, I think he doesn't live too far from there. Cody DeQuisto <laughs> is making an appearance. Whoa, is that a, is that a fact? Break. Rumor has it that Joe Humphreys from Big Time is making an appearance. No way. Just by himself? There's going to be the whole Big Time crew is there. It sounds like there's going to be... Oh, Jake's not coming. A lot of appearances. Oh, Jake Powers is coming. Oh, God. There's going to be a lot of appearances. There's going to be opportunities to win some free Big Time gear, some clothing, some opportunities to win some Scent Crusher stuff, some HHA stuff. You might win a Lone Wolf Custom Gear complete setup if your shooting skills are on point. take it easy. Let's talk about it. I might might throw something at, at the whole group. Hey, who can throw an arrow in this at this far... Let's 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 see who can do it, and maybe you'll Knock get a, a whole stand set up. I don't know. Damn, that's all. I don't know what could happen. That'd be cool if we could pull it off, but I don't know if we will. <laughs> hey, Kurt, are you saying anything is possible? Oh, Jesus, anything yes is possible. Anything is possible. So yeah. if you are interested in coming to the shoot, email <laughs> us, uh, private message us, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we send you a link. There's a password. You fill out the registration form. We just do that so we can. Keep it limited. We remember we have to cap it at a certain number. So we have to cap it at a certain. You guys want to come for a lot of reasons. It's private ground liability. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You you just understand us. We have to do it. So (laughs) just trust us. Shit could happen. Shit could happen. We do have security this year, though, so that's that's good. Right. We do. We do have security (laughs) for you. Subject power. (laughs) Um, The podcast is presented by Scent Crusher. Scentcrusher.com. All right, go around the room. Your favorite Scent Crusher product and why. I'll go with. I'll pick first. That way, you guys have to think hard. I like the gear bag because I throw everything in it, and I can crush all my clothes on the way to my hunting property, and they're they're clean, ready to rock. Eric, I like the tote, man. You it's are got, a tote fan. Yeah, I'm not. It's got the hard cover. You don't have to worry about smashing anything because you know I keep a lot of shit in my vehicle. It's always full of shit, but I have to worry about smashing any hunting gear or nothing. Doug, I'm the gear bag all the way. Mm-hmm. You can fit more than you think you can in it. That's true. Like literally, all your hunting clothes will fit in it. Mm-hmm. I Anything think I could. I think I could fit in a Saint Crusher bag. Oh, easy. We should put Steve in there. Think I'll fit? No, the roller no. bag maybe. I'll fit in the closet. That's true. Facts. Plus, uh, you can tank. use the gear bag in your truck. <laughs> tank. Mine's the uh, closet. You keep everything organized and then kill that scent. It's true, Steve. Dude, I, I'm gonna be that guy. It depends on the situation. Uh, recently, picking up Tinder dates. I love the Ozone Go. 
The podcast is also brought to you by HHA Sports. (laughs) HHASports.com. All of us this year are shooting the Tetra. Um, Yes, sir. We got our new Elite set up. This is kind of like a dual plug here because we're all shooting the new Rituals. Um, I got and the, the Virtus Rest. And the Virtus Rest. So I got the, the Tetra set up, shooting nice, man. It, it's, it seems complicated going into like a single pin setup, but yep. it's actually really easy and really straightforward. And your sight picture is so clean. You, don't, you worry about the one pin, and that's it. I just got my bow set up and haven't sighted it in yet, but I think I'm going to like the wheel a little bit better, how it's got the finger grooves in it. Yeah, I like Instead of like a smooth wheel around mm-hmm. it. I like that, yeah, too. So if you're wearing a, to turn. Yeah, if you're wearing gloves, you know, you got thick gloves because you got little soft hands. It's going to grip a lot better. Hey, uh, and other news with gloves. Fingerless gloves are in. Is that is that a fact? <laughs> Byron Horton from the Whitetail Experience informed me that That's fingerless right. gloves are in, and I, I'm a fan. I, I was kind of like, come on. And then I put them on. I'm like, oh, game changer. Are you talking the ones, but they got like the mitten that folds back? Nope. You're just straight fingerless. You're straight like hobo. Yeah, I was about to say you're hobo. Straight and hobo. Straight <laughs> hobo. <laughs> yeah. He had a bunch of pairs because he's like a connoisseur of fingerless gloves. He has like net ones, you know, fishnet ones he wears with his lady, and then he's got ones he hunts with. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to try them all on. Kurt's going full hobo. He's going to be like, yeah, dude, I took a stick and bindle in with into the woods with me. That's all I need, bro. Oh, shit. Speaking of Byron, I haven't even like, I haven't been on Facebook enough to like read what happened. He just had camera equipment stolen. And <gasps> really? Yeah, yeah I haven't f- seen this shit yet. Yeah, I, it j- happened today. I, saw, I got invited to the fundraiser. I think working class will probably donate some money. It's like you can donate money so you can get his. Oh, his, no, um, I didn't see um, that shit. But I don't know what the story, but his camera equipment got stolen. So we'll, we'll share it on our Facebook pages if you guys can go and donate five bucks if you can to help those guys get rolling. Those guys are working class, DIY, all public land. So let's get them going again. Uh, the podcast is also brought to you by North American Whitetail Championship. Boom. That is, if you're unfamiliar, it's a. On it's basically a hunting competition where you could win a shit ton of money, a shit ton of hunts, um, prizes. prizes, everything. If you buy any anyone that works with with their with them, if you send in the receipt, they enter you in again to to win more gear. Um, they gave away turkey hunts. I think they're giving away a bear hunt. They're yep. giving away a Kansas whitetail hunt. What's top prize? Like fifty grand? Fifty grand. The championship thousand dollars this fall in Kansas. Yes, you win fifty grand. If you if you win, um, you can use code WCB twenty five and save yourself some money to enter that, and you get a prize pack that basically pays for itself. You get a Tacticam, broadheads, all the stuff, um, and then also like if you if you win your area or like place in a certain the top ranking, you can get a free prime bow and all that. It's pretty it's pretty cool. They take care of everybody that joins. I will so, also say you'd be surprised about who wins yeah. your area. A 130-inch deer on some of those states, you're yeah. in the running. Yeah, think about this. So this is the time of a lot of you working class guys. You're working overtime. You're making a lot of money. I know it might seem it's far off, but don't wait till the last minute to sign up because if you're making some of them overtime checks and you're a lady doesn't know how much you're making, yeah, slide, a, slide, that, uh, slide that payment in. This summer, get it done early, and you're good to go. You'll have all your gear ready to go opening day. You'll shoot that deer. October first or September fourteenth, whenever your season opens, whenever it does, and then boom, you're already in the running for fifty grand. All because you did it early. Uh, the podcast is also brought to you by Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Uh, you see in the stands all over the DeQuisto series stands. I think they're going to be shipping out soon for people that did the pre order, and everything is going to be fired off. Like this is the beginning of the new era in hang on tree stands. Uh, for sure. The the tree stand that lives on your back. You take this thing in with you. It goes out with you. You make moves. This is a stand you will kill deer out of. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. It, it, I think next to your bow, it will be the most important tool you have in your bow hunting arsenal this year. I, I can almost guarantee it. 
What if I smoke a good deer out of that? Um, I'd be surprised if you'd gotten a tree stand in general, ladder or not. <laughs> yeah. So fuck that you. Is. How's that? All right. Lone Wolf. <laughs> Guys, we don't want to spoil it, but lone wolf, lone wolf Custom uh, Deer Blinds. <laughs> yeah. Or the Lone Wolf Custom Texas Tripods. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> uh, a lot more coming from that. Uh, we will have a promo code for listeners. That's coming down the pipe, so... We, we try to take care of you guys when we can. I've been bothering Cody a little bit, so we'll see what we can do there. Uh, podcast also brought to you by Big Time. Um, check them out at the shoot. If you come there, you'll get some Big Time gear. I can almost promise you. In Hunter's Blend Coffee, use code WORKINGCLASS for 10% off huntersblendcoffee.com. All right. This podcast is going to be fun. It's Clint Casper. He's always, he's always fun. Dude. He's a blast. Yeah. We've had Clint Casper on a lot. Yep. And something we will get into when we have him on. We have the Clint Casper collection on workingclassbowhunter.com. I, I made that page and never sent it to him. I forgot about it. I sent it to him today, and he's like, oh, shit. I didn't know you did He's got his own special page. Yeah. It, he's, yep. he's, a, he's a special individual. I remember the first time we got him on, Kurt's like, yeah, this dude seems pretty cool. And we got him on, and it was like, dude, this dude is wild. I want to yep. have a beer with yep. that guy. It was a while back. I'm going to pull that up here so when we get him on, we can look and see when the date was. Dude, that was almost, almost, that was probably over two years ago. I don't know. I don't the know. first time we had him on? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, shit. Before I came on. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Let's quit messing around. Just get him on. How's that? Let's do it. It's really, really not that good. From 1600 Buckslayer Place, we are at the Buckatorium, lovely Sherrard, Illinois, the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. It is my honor to introduce to you the one, the only, coming from Ohio, killing not only the best deer in Ohio, but the best looking deer in Ohio. And I might say that this guy is probably one of the best looking guys in Ohio. He is standing at five foot something or other, probably weighing about a buck fifty, buck sixty. Depends on how many women he's got on his arm. Am I right, guys? Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together if you're driving. Put it in parking. Put your hands together if you're in the office. Go somewhere safe and put your hands together. But get on your feet because I got to introduce to you my hero from Ohio, Clint Casper. God damn! damn. Wow. Huh? Wow. Wow. Is that good? I'm, I'm clapping over here for that. No, Damn, that was good. You're not fired, Steve. All right, cool. Huh? You're still here. Steve no, just shaking. kept his jobs. <laughs> Eric threatened his job <laughs> if he didn't kill that Unless intro. someone Again. ripped your truck when they clapped over I mean, yeah. that, was, that was the most poetic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to last for words. I mean, my panties were off 10 seconds into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be Clint's new ringtone. Clint. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> voicemail. <laughs> his, his voicemail, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Clint Casper, dude, what is up? Oh, nothing, man. Pumped to be back on. It's been too long. Way too long. It has been. It really has been. We need to uh, cut the shit and make it happen more often. Absolutely. I'm all for that. We not. We might just need to honestly do a live podcast with Clint um, when we hunt with him in Ohio this year. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Anything is possible. I want to add something, Clint. Let's start off on this. So we have been podcasting together for a long time. I feel you are officially an OG, and you are what I'm going to refer to you now as a WCB original. Oh, oh shit! He got the OG patch. The Damn. first podcast. I was say that. That's, I'm about to get like a, a new tat that says that or something. You yeah. got your letters for your Letterman jacket. I was going to say I got my varsity <laughs> jacket filled up now. Shit! 
Damn. This Damn, is episode you... 307. The first one we recorded with you was episode 51 in January of 2016. Um, that was, I'm pretty sure that was... Uh, that would have been like mountain lion stuff, if yes, I remember correctly. Yep, you are correct. Yep. And I also want to add, too, wow. to kind of add wow. to your popularity with our listeners on our show, I think you have three episodes in the top ten download range of all 306 episodes that were published before this. You are you are in there more times than any other guest we've ever had. Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's mind-blowing because you guys have some freaking OGs, in my opinion, a ton of them that are on this podcast and a ton of them that you guys podcast with regularly. But I got to say, though, there's nobody that comes on this show that's got a more badass fan base as far as just helping a brother out, whether it's comments, texts. Hell, I've gotten emails this week. I mean, shout out to all the boys and gals out there that follow this podcast, follow me, whether it's words of encouragement, whether it's, hey, Clint, you're an asshole, but your buck was nice. <laughs> but your whatever, buck was nice. Whatever it may be, I appreciate the shit out of every one of you, and I know these guys on this podcast do as well. I'd like to slap every one of you on the ass and buy you a beer, and if you see me out, come up and tell me, hey, I've direct messaged you before. I either want a hand job or a free beer. It's your call. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Hard to argue that. Well, I want to go through a little bit of the history. So we did episode 51. And let me just read the – I'm going to just read, read the, the description, description yeah. just for the fuck of it. Lord, 51. Episode 51, this episode of the show, avid bow hunter and freelance writer Clint Casper joins the fellows on the show. Clint is a highly experienced bow hunter from Midwest Monster Whitetails to hunting mountain lions out west. He shares with us some of his experience experiences in the world of freelance writing and, of course, his awesome hunting adventures. Tune in to learn about Clint, his experiences, and how he fits right in with the guys on the show. <laughs> that's the first in, first one. That's episode 51. Then we Dude, did... You're crazy. 51. Then, yeah. Episode 51. And this Damn. is what's weird. It took... This is I have this all in the Clint Casper collection. Unless I'm somehow missing a podcast episode in between, the next episode is 116. Extra uh, when you killed extra, yeah. And I then that. we did a a podcast uh, episode 120, hunting late season. Yep. Then we did episode 149, which was I think just titled Clint Casper. And then was that uh, in studio here. We did. Uh, um, I don't remember. Then we did episode one sixty, one forty nine, one sixty, one eighty five was a one on one podcast with you and I. Clint. I want to say the next one was in studio, wasn't it? Um, I'm, I remember. Um, one of I those. Remember yep. yep. There was episode okay. two hundred five. Yeah, was in studio. And that yeah. was a fun. That was a. That was for the party. Yep, it was for the party. I don't, let me see how long this one was. Oh, that was a good time. Was long. Oh yeah. It Hell doesn't yeah. say on here, or I have not looked in the right spot. I just have it up on the Clint Casper Collection page. Um, episode 225, episode 251, episode 257 was the last one we did. And yeah, that then, was uh, Thanksgiving special, was it? No, 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 no. That would have been 251. 257 was me and uh, the other two OGs, Austin and Ross. Oh, I don't have that one on here. What? I'm missing that <laughs> what? one. What? How am oh, I missing yeah, that the one? The top one's a Thanksgiving special. Oh, fuck. Yeah, the top one is a Thanksgiving special. Clint, I'm missing that one, Clint. I don't know how you remember all this shit. I can't even remember what I did two hours ago. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, hey, I, I'm, just, I'm just faking back. Like, I'm try, like, I, I can like damn near remember almost all the 
like the topics and just kind of what I mean, just vaguely kind of what we covered. But yeah, I I would say I probably would have remember. I think I was about nine out of ten on those as far as you killed that. it. Yeah, I I remember quite a yeah. few of them, man. That's crazy. I honestly kind of until we went through that. I guess I didn't realize we've done that. I mean, I mean, Idiot. we've done a lot of podcasts. A yeah. lot. We have. Which is, a, which is a good thing. We need to do more. I know, and we should be doing them more often, honestly. We really should. It's, Dude, it's crazy when you try to like schedule things and like everyone's life gets in the way. Ours, our show is a little different, I think, than most podcasts because there's my schedule, Eric's schedule, Steve's schedules, Doug's schedules, uh, Tank when, when he's in here to do like video work or whatever it is. Like To get everyone lined up to get shit done is difficult. It's a pain in the ass. It, actually, it is. It's a pain in the ass. Yep, and then I, I agree to address um, some comments in like, you know, a lot of people s- submitted comments for you for the show. Um, like Mike Topper submitted a comment. I just responded to on Facebook, like uh, basically saying he's listened less since because there's changes going on. I think people fail to realize, you know, in podcast land, we're still dealing with life things while trying to get together every single week. We have never missed a yep. week on the podcast. So. Yep. You know, things are going to change when things in our lives change. So just remember, guys, you know, if, if there's – you say, oh, there's too many sponsors are selling out, we're just trying to help pay our bills just like you are. We're just chasing a dream while doing it. So right. I got to add that. But, yeah, aside all the busyness, we should get together more and podcast more. But it's just tough. Oh, it is tough. I mean, you got life going on. Speaking of, speaking of life, I need to uh, – on air, I need to congratulate – you and my favorite Midwestern woman, Miss <laughs> Sam, on the beautiful, beautiful baby girl. I'll tell you what. You know, Kurt, it takes a hell of a guy to be a stepdad. And I mean, you know, the fact that you're able to help me out while I'm being in Ohio and Sam's there and baby guy, even though it should have the last name of Casper, but I'm going to let you. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you that one. It's impressive. It's impressive. And it's even more impressive. That not only are you rocking the number one all star stepdad award of the year, but <laughs> of the year, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, he's even going to let me hunt his farms. I mean, literally, give this guy a round of applause. Damn, what, yeah. Damn. 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 everybody! Wow, not every, guy. Yeah, wow. See? Yep. Man. Not everybody is that fucking cool, and that's just flat out plain and simple. <laughs> as long as, 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 long as those guy. checks keep clearing, Damn. right, Kurt? <laughs> that's Dude, right. That's what I'm saying, I'm man. If I keep getting those twenty five thousand dollar every other month endorsements, yeah, your kid, dude. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. But congrats on that. Was super pumped for both of you. Can't wait to see her in person. And uh, just wanted to wanted to formally uh, on a podcast because I haven't been on one since uh, since little baby was born. Yeah, I know it, man. It's crazy, but I appreciate that. I really do. It's it's crazy. She was just in here. She really has to her. (laughs) She was really. she hasn't been in the studio, so we had her in the studio. I was like holding her up to the mic and stuff, and kind of counting down, counting down the years a little bit until she kills a bigger buck than Steve, which I think she's got ten years. And yeah, don't put that pressure on me, Jesus. I was gonna say, well, come on now, don't do that to Steve. Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> got ten years to figure some shit out. God, you, hey, do you think you'll have it figured out? No, no, we're just no. talking. No. About no. God, dude, I hope your daughter grows up to be a tree hugger. <laughs> I don't need that kind of pressure. <laughs> Well, whatever it is, I hope she ends up dating a dude with a lot of property. So. <laughs> Some guy that's got about 13,000 acres in Missouri.
Missouri or yeah. some shit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like we're judging who she can date off plat maps. That daddy's got to hunt. I don't care about the Absolutely. tillable. Send me, send me your coordinates so I can pump them into Onyx and see what you got. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He can be a total shithead. I don't give a shit. As soon as I meet all the boys that she like dates in high school, I'm like, all right, I'm going to look up some property here on Onyx. <laughs> You can date these two. This retard, he's out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. He's out. His he family sucks. lives on a main street in downtown, and he's out. <laughs> hey, tell me, what's what's been new with you, man? I know you got some shit planned. Like, you're leaving this weekend or something, aren't you? Uh, next week. End of next week, uh, heading, to, heading to Montana. Going to go uh, chase spring bears, spot and stock on public with uh, my homie Brian Barney. Oh, he just killed uh, a nice bear yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, man, pumped. He shot a uh, shot a beautiful, beautiful boar, big old blonde. Uh, it had been like two Fridays ago, and uh, crazy story, crazy pack out. I mean, you know, you guys have heard me talk about him. Anyone that's listened to you know the podcast and stuff. I mean, hey, he's, hook, uh, hook it up, Clint. I want to get him animal. on the show. I say he's we need animal, to have dude. him on. Yeah, I want to get Brian on the show, man. That guy. Oh yeah, you have to. It's yeah. Insane. Yep. For those who Just don't know, he runs uh, Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I mean, you know, Western based podcast from Eastman's Hunting Journal. So yeah, man, he yeah he'd be a good one to have on, dude, because I mean he's he's high energy and freaking loves the podcast and. He's got a great platform. It'd be awesome to see you guys collaborate and and just go at it, man. I mean, it's uh, yeah, dude, hell of a guy, hell of a bow hunter. Um, just a just a freak, man. He uh, he's fun to hunt with. I mean, he pushes. He pushes you to the, the absolute limits. Uh, you know, it's it's changed. Hunting with him has honestly changed how I look at hunts mentally and physically. Just just from watching him and seeing what he does. I mean, I've just picked up so much of of the the mental side and the just the physical. I mean, the the dude you'd, you'd have to kill him in a fist fight. I mean, he is just as gritty. He's 100. <laughs> he's 140 pounds wet, and he's pound for pound. Hands down, strongest motherfucker I know. I mean, he is—he's just an animal, and it, it's fun to hunt with him. It's—it's. It's, yeah, it's weren't you telling me, Clint, that he packed that out he packed out his bear in one trip by himself? Oh yeah, one trip. What? Uh, I want to say he said it was like a 110, 115 pound pack. He had two thousand feet vertical to get up out of the hole he was in, and then like seven miles of the truck. He, I texted him at ten o'clock my time, so it would have been eight o'clock his time out in Montana. I texted him because I knew he was out that night, and I knew the spot he was going into, and it's a killer spot. I've been in there with him before, and I was like, dude, update. He texted me 5 o'clock in the morning my time, which would have been 3 o'clock in Montana, bear down. And I knew when I got that text, he literally had just gotten to his truck. <laughs> An all-night pack out by himself in the pitch black, public in Montana. I mean, like I said, dude, he he is he's a real deal, man. I mean, I... People are like, oh, you know, you you always blow that guy. I'm like, dude, go hunt. I mean, I wish people could go hunt with him just one time. Just one time. If you can keep up with him, you've honestly succeeded. Whether you kill shit or not, if you can just keep up with that guy, you've succeeded. I mean, like, you've done something. I mean, he's, he's just, there's no stop, no quit. And the dude is just a book of bow hunting knowledge. You know what's I mean, funny about you saying that? Like, if you can keep up with them, when, when I hunted with the Buckstorm boys, uh, they live in South Dakota, but they're always in the mountains somewhere. Oh and yeah, I hunted yep. with them in Colorado, and my dad and I were just we were with them, but we were well behind them. If you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, they, we, oh yeah, dude. They didn't leave us. Like we weren't like ah, but we were chasing them. Like we were doing as best as we could to keep up with them. Yep. And I'm just like, dude, it's when you go around guys that are raised in the mountains and the higher elevation and like that's yep. where they shed hunt. That's where they hunt. You know, they're oh, yeah. you know, imagine us chasing whitetails in the Midwest. It's flat compared to the yep. shit they're doing. It's, oh, yeah. it's almost dude, like 
negative <laughs> terrain. <laughs> it is. It it's is. always downhill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I live at like 258 feet sea level. Dang, dude, Brian, we're like 600. You're way down there, man. Yeah, <laughs> Brian lives at Brian lives at like freaking you know, 8,000, 7,000, and he, he runs, I mean, he'll run five, six nights a week, 10, 12 miles. I mean, this is all year long. And what's nuts is I've hunted and, and been on some of these trails and, and, and hiked in and hiked out of some of this, this shit that he runs. And, dude, I mean, it's peaks up to eight, eighty-five, nine. I mean, you know, 1,000 foot straight down vertical and then 2,000. I mean, it's insane, like, what he does on a daily basis would be shit that would take me seven months to train for just to do once or twice. Like, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like, but it's just all oh, it is. It's it's crazy, but it's fun though. Like, you know, for me, the older I get, the smaller my circle of of people that I hunt with and 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 run with. The smaller circle I I, I get every year, um, and it's not because of you know anyone's doing anything like to me to where I'm like, oh, dude, you screwed me over. It's just. I've gotten to the point where I want to be around the most driven, motivated, passionate, likewise minded people I can be around because dude, that, that drives me. I mean, and whether it's bow hunting, being a dad, farming, whatever, it's just, you know what I mean? Like when you're around guys like, you know, like, like him, where it's constant, everything's, it's just positive mentality. There's no stop, yeah. there's no quit. You know, you're elk hunting with him. You haven't seen an elk in two days. Clint, over this next ridge, there's going to be a six-by-six six bull. We're going to sneak in, and you're going to freaking smoke him at 50 yards. Clint, over this next saddle, dude, it's going to be the elk party. We're going to get there. Once we get there, they're going to be – I mean, it's just constant, constant positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. It's like guys like that, people like that, I mean, that's just – that's where it's at, man. Life's too short for, for the negative, the naysayers, the haters. Like, man – Plain words, fuck all that, dude. Like, honestly, I'd, I'll take my, my little group, my small circle of, of, you know, close guys and girls that's that's all right there with me in that same mindset mm -hmm. because you're a product of who you run with, who you talk to, who you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, that's why it's, it's so it's so fun to come on this podcast with you guys because it's all the same. You know what I mean? There's no, ain't no negative, dude. We don't run no negative bullshit on this podcast. The hell with that, man. I mean, it's it's right. freaking it's full go, full bore. Send it twenty four seven. It's cool you mentioned I, that too because I remember when we started hanging out with like Clark Cummings, more Ross Bigger, Austin Chandler, yep. some of those guys. Like, yep, we Killers, really, dude, we, positive. Exactly, we hung out with people that with positive vibes. Everybody's their own individual and yep. they're successful in what we're all passionate about. And that's the yep. reason why everybody in the studio right now all hangs out the way we do. Like, yep. we yep. argue sometimes. But if oh, you yeah. don't ever argue, that. that's like strangely unhealthy, yeah, like in a weird way. Weird. Yeah, like everybody's got to have a disagreement every once in a while. We're all brothers, so if we ever get into a like anything, an argument, a disagreement, it's brotherly type. It's not. Yep. Fuck him forever. I'm never going to talk to him again. It's never <laughs> like that. Right. Um, I got fired once, and then you texted me the next day. <laughs> it was like, "What's up, dude?" Uh, nothing. Didn't you fire me yesterday? Yeah. What's up? <laughs> yeah, what are you it? doing though? Hey, you want to kick it? <laughs> you want to kick it? <laughs> but it's, are you coming over or what? It's <laughs> like, all right, yeah, yes. And, and it is right. You know, as you get older, you do. It's weird because I have the perspective of only being like a hardcore, passionate hunter. So I don't yeah. know what like normal people do in their lives, but yeah, like all of my close, close friends, ex the exception of one, um, Dakota. They're all hunters of some sort, yep. of different levels. And, yep, I'm and with you. we always 
you know, we are surrounded by a lot of guys that are big time butt killers and what most people consider experts. And those are the people that I want to hang around with and learn from because they motivate me to like get my shit together. Well, and honestly, too, like none of us would probably know each other in this room if it wasn't for hunting. We wouldn't. No. We had no oh, idea. Yeah. Who I, each never, other. I never would even talk to you, Eric, because I met you first, I think, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I never would even met Doug. No. Tank, we went to high school together. Yeah. We knew each other, but like we got to be close because of hunting. Yeah, and I would have never have ever got to meet Steve uh-uh. if it wasn't for podcasting. I still well, don't want to know Steve really, but unfortunately, trying to forget him. But it's good. <laughs> unfortunately, that's a, hey, hey, you got all the positives with uh, knowing people from hunting, and then you got me. There's that's a bad egg in every batch, you know. That's right. <laughs> bad egg in every batch. That's all right. Steve. Tell you what, it's still <laughs> edible. Hey. What's up? I'll take you. You know what, Steve? Even if you are the bad egg, as long as we can turn the lights out, buddy, I'll take you every time. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a cat, hey, I'm a Cadbury egg. I'm a little sweet. <laughs> oh God, those are my favorite, dude. <laughs> those are my favorite. I eat the God. shit out of some Cadbury eggs. Clint, so what are you expecting on this hunt, man? Like, what's the what's uh what's Brian Barney's forecast for you? I mean, dude, it's a tough. I mean, the success rate with a bow, spot, and stock on public, dude. I don't know if this hunt would be three percent. I mean, it's. It's Whoa. one of those it's one of those hunts, wow. dude, that you go on and you mentally know it's gonna be the toughest hunt of the year you go on. I mean, number one, you're you're hunting a predator that's constantly turned on. He's he's either A hunting or B if he's not actually hunting, he's out scouring looking for his next spot to go hunt. So they're they're always switched on. I mean there's 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 never like a moment where they're just like hanging out unless they're sleeping i mean if you catch them asleep that's about the only time that they're not switched on i mean you know they're they're it's like they're always in hunt mode so the senses are just peaked all the time Mm -hmm. you're you're in the mountains i mean it's nothing for bears to travel 30 40 miles dude in 24 hours. i mean they can you know they can roam you might find four bears in a canyon or, or or in a big drainage or something one morning and then four hours later come back and they'd be gone for days. I mean, it might be six days do you see another bear in there. I mean, right now, everything's neon green. That's what they're feeding on. You know, uh, they're still up high. Some are starting to move down low. You know, I mean, like, you, you got grass and stuff coming up everywhere and shoots and sprouts. And, I mean, you know, they're feeding on neon green right now. Um, but it's just one of those hunts that, dude, I mean, it's a ton of hiking, ton of glassing, but I love that. I mean, we'll put in 14, 15 miles a day, easy, easy. I mean, hell, there's there's sometimes I've been with him on days where we've pushed 20 in a day from dark till dark, you know, two hours past dark, getting back to the truck. That's just typical. I mean, it's, it's, it's a super physical hunt. And when you do find one, the minute he gets in a good spot and it's a spot that you think you can kill him in, I mean, dude, he might be two miles away, but it is full tilt, send it right now. I mean, you got to go. I'll yeah. never forget. First time out there with him. It was the last day of our hunt. How many times I, have you been out there? Uh, I've been out there. Spring bears. This will be my third trip. No, second. This will be my second trip for spring bears. I've actually I've been out there hunting with him though. Shit, numerous times. Probably four or five times. But this will be my second go. Last year I didn't go out because the snowpack was just so bad and the weather was so awful. I mean, they just the bears just weren't there. I mean, it just wasn't. They were just struggling to find them. And uh, but I'll never forget first my first trip out there the last night we spot this boar jet black boar and we thought we're looking at him through the spotter and brian's like dude he's like i I think it's a shooter but he's like man i don't know and i'm like dude i'm like we got like an hour of daylight he's like oh yeah he's like we're gonna send it for sure yeah i'm (laughs) I'm like i'm like how far is that 
He's like, ah, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, probably two, two and a half mile. He's like, <laughs> you know, he's like, we got to get there in 20 minutes. Now, mind you, what? 20 minutes, mind you, 20 minutes of dropping about 800 feet down the side of a rock chute. Just, I mean, literally bow in hand, strap your pack up, strap your bino harness up tight so nothing's bouncing. Send it down this bottom. And then it's about a mile up to this saddle gradual. We got up over this saddle, another half mile damn near straight down the other side. And then right at the very end, we had to come up around this like, it was like a little micro saddle basically that come off this, this spur ridge. And once we get to that point, this bear was feeding down that. And he was, he's like, you know, he's feeding really slow. I think we got enough time. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, dude, you know, I've been running four or five miles. Like I can, this is, yeah, I can do that, dude. This guy takes off. He's like, just try to keep up. He's like, I'm going to get out in front of you. But he's like, I, just just try to stay close. He's like, you know, he's like, dude, we, we got to huff it. We got to push it. We start down across, dropping this 800, 900 vertical feet, dude. And I ain't even going to lie on air. I'll say it. I am shitting a brick in fear because one false step, dude, and you are breaking ankles. You're breaking legs. I mean... When he says we're going to send it, it's not like a jog. It's like a goddamn sprint. Like you're in football <laughs> running a guy down who's going down the sidelines to score a fucking touchdown, and you're down by five. A touchdown, you lose. I mean, that is that is like the mentality going down this very first slope. And I'm like, holy shit. We get clear down to the bottom. He, he gives me like a 30-second break. Back up the next side. Yeah, he gives you a break. <laughs> oh yeah, he had to. Take dude. a breather. Dude, he could, he could, he could make that too. He could make that push all day and never even have to think about it. He gives me like a thirty-second break, catch my wind, tighten my pack back up, tighten shit up so that way it's not bouncing. He's like, "All right, man, we got to go. Jump across this creek down to the bottom, up the other side. We make this. I mean, we were up and down in elevation, eight hundred, nine hundred, up and down. You know, it was a little over two miles." According to my Garmin, it was like 2.1, 2.2 mile. Dude, we got there in like 16 minutes. Damn. Wow. Dude. With with gear on, with a bow in hand. I mean, I'm ready to puke. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, how am I even going to be able to shoot? We get there, and this boar's coming. He's coming right at us. He ends up working within like 25 yards, works right past us, ends up not being as big as what we thought. But, dude, that moment right there of just experience and that, the adrenaline of following him and just, just getting to that bear, it was like, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Because the entire time, at any point in time, if one false move goes wrong, one false step, dude, so fucked. I mean, like, so, so <laughs> like, I mean, you are trusted in your feet and your ankles so much. And like I said, it's one of them deals where you got to get there. I mean, you got to get there right now. You've got less than an hour. You got to get there because once you get there, you might have to make a little fine adjustments on a stock to get within range. So time is of the essence. And I mean, it was just, I was hooked. Like I was hooked before that last stock, but that stock dude sealed it. In my head, I'm just like, I will kill one of these bears. I'm going to kill one. It might take me five trips. I mean, but in my opinion, it is possibly the hardest hunt in North America just because of there's not a ton of them. It's spot and stock. I mean, it's just one of them deals where it's, it's just a super, super, super tough bow hunt. And 
there's just so much risk versus reward. But that's what I like. I mean, I love that adrenaline. Just thinking about it, dude. I'm that's just awesome, getting pumped man. even thinking about it, man. I can't. I cannot wait to get out there and just go. Clint, promise me one thing, man. If you go out there, of course, like you know, Brian's got his own podcast. You can do your thing there. But if you kill a bear when you get back, let let us cover it. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure, dude. Absolutely, hundred percent. It sounds. I'm not gonna lie. It, it's not a hunt that I'm personally interested in, but the it, it's not not yet anyway. Like it's not really on my like top five lineup of hunts I want to do. But it's, it's not. not it's it, it's not for everybody for sure. But I, mean, I will say though, this it's it's not in my top lineup because there's just a few other things in front of it that I'm working on in the next few years. And then once, yep. if I can make those things happen, then yeah, that probably will be top five within the light of the end of the tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Th- yeah. there is no yep. end of the tunnel, I guess, technically. I think that's it. one of the, yep. those hunts that just pushes you to the limit and you're going to yeah. fall in love with it. Yeah. Yep. See, well, that's, yeah. In, that's, that's the thing about it that drives me is it's just, it's not that you're going to put, like you're not hunting an animal that's got like a, this this magnificent rack or, I mean, honestly, a 400-pound bear, a 500-pound bear, a 300-pound bear, it, realistically, dude, they all look the same. I mean, that, I mean, yeah, they're a little bit of body size difference, but once you get into a mature boar, they, besides the color, they all look the same. But that's not, like, for me, that's not the driving factor. The driving factor is knowing how steep and how, how tough of a hunt, like the odds are totally stacked against you. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, like I said, I don't know if this hunt realistically would be at two or 3%. And I mean, that's something that Brian told me right off the rip. He's like, dude, I'm gonna tell you right now. You know, he's like, first time I ever come out, he's like, I just want you to know, like, this is hard. I mean, this is the hardest hunt I do all year. I mean, it's, it's hard just to find them. It's hard to get to them. I mean, it's, they can disappear and be gone in seconds and literally, you're like, how do you lose a 400-pound black freaking, you know, a big black blob or a big cinnamon-colored blob or a big blonde blob? Dude, it's nuts how they can sneak into timber or sneak into a drainage, and they're gone. That's it forever. Never see them again. Well, I mean, that's, it's just – But that's mm-hmm. – that, that, you know, like that's what drives me is it's just – it's the difficulty factor. It's the challenge factor. And, dude, let's be honest. It's predator versus predator. I mean, it doesn't get any better. Eye level – like Brian shot his boar this year at 22 or 23 yards. Like, Dang. dude, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Eye level with a freaking bear at 22, 23 yards. You're going back to full draw, knowing like, and dude, his boar charged. His when he shot, he was in the path going down this drainage. His boar come right at him. He had to drop his bow, pull out his pistol. He unloaded it only hit him two times and he died six feet from him now he made a perfect shot he, he, he made a perfect shot but you can't take that risk that is western dude that is adventure bow hunting that is shit getting western getting sideways whatever you want to call it that's why i love it was he by himself it is just, too you, you don't know what's gonna happen that's insane dude yeah he was you by never... himself oh yeah dude 99 percent of his hunting is by himself oh yeah i, I mean he's <laughs> He hunts with me and a couple other buddies periodically, but I mean, dude, a lot of his trips are—he's by himself. He's crazy. That's awesome, though. That's I love cool. it, though, dude. The, the solo hunts, man—you can't beat them. Let's like, do, let's, oh, I love the solo hunts, dude. Solo let's do this. I, I definitely want to cover more on on. I, I'd like to get Brian on. I'd like to get you and Brian on on the same podcast. Would be cool. Um, yeah, man. We wouldn't even have to talk. I don't think. 
No, I just sit. I just like throw off one little, hey, blah, 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 blah. I'm an idiot. Yep. And then you guys would talk for the <laughs> whole podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> tell me, what is on Clint Casper's top five hunts that he wants to do right now? Even if you've already done them, but just give me the top five where and what species. Top five, um, mule deer right now, 100% number one. Where? This will be, oh, it's got to be Colorado. This will be my third year going there solo. I've been at full draw three times. I've been so close. Um, I can taste one. I mean, I do, I think about it every day. I think about mule deer more probably double what I think about whitetails because I want one so bad. I mean, I want a gray ghost in the high country by myself so bad it's not even funny. So that's number one, hands down. When I leave for Colorado this year, I've already blocked off an entire month at work, and they're like, dude, you're going to be gone a month. I'm like, I'm just blocking it off because I'm not leaving that state. I am not leaving that state without a mule deer. I will not leave the state of Colorado with my green F-150 without a fucking mule deer in the back of the truck. He smashes <laughs> one right across the border. Yeah. <laughs> With his truck. truck. I won't do it. All right, we're so done that'd here. Be number, that'd be number one. Um, I'd be a toss-up on two, man. It's either going to be like a doll sheep hunt just because of the severity of how tough that hunt is or Alaskan moose. That'd be a close, like, two and three right there. Um, oh, man, there's just so there's so freaking many. Um I definitely, for sure, oh, rounding it out, dude. God, there's so many good hunts out there. I mean, I, I definitely want to kill a giant, uh, like a giant, a giant bull elk. I mean, I, I've killed solid bulls, but I mean, I want to, I want to kill, like this year, I'll be in Idaho, um, actually with Brian and, and our good buddy Dan. Um, I want to kill a stud. I mean, I want to get like a 340, 350 plus. I mean, just one of those bulls that is just freaking jaw dropping yeah i mean just immediate boner when you see it that's 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 definitely <laughs> Six Six that's, <laughs> that's on the list for sure and then uh this one will probably blow some minds because it's not an animal that you're gonna put on your wall and be like dude you know that that's so impressive but i think in areas i think this year i'm gonna go right after the ata i think again i'm gonna hook up with brian and dan i think we're gonna go to arizona and go chase coos deer That'd and it's be awesome. not because oh, yeah. yep. it's 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 i mean they're small they're 120 pounds if you kill a hundred incher it's a fucking giant but again in my opinion it's right up there with the bear deal it may be if not the hardest right up there in tied with the hardest hunt in north america <laughs> because of just how turned on they are how hard they are the spot out there there's not a ton of cover i mean it's just it's a tough ass hunt it's just an animal that i want to say with a bow i got it done i mean it's probably a oh man i don't know it's one of those hunts that's i mean super low percent super low i mean it's probably single digits just like the bear deal but it's just one of those hunts that i want to be like yep are you is that arizona yep yeah i'd be arizona yeah well i think what we should do i just want to know your top five i figured that would be pretty interesting to hear Let's cut over to a little bit of – well, we, we basically put out Instagram and Facebook like, hey, submit some questions. We'll throw them at this guy, this crazy wild man. And <laughs> so I'm going to just start on Instagram for no reason other than it's better than Facebook, I believe, right now. Yeah, for sure. The yeah. only thing I don't like about Instagram is you can't, like, share s- stuff as easily, yeah. you know. But um, Yeah, jump through hoops to do it. 
Yeah, so I'm going to – I'll just uh, – we'll see. I'll, I'll fire off a couple. I imagine we're going to answer a lot of questions in the first few, you know, and we'll just go through them. Um, so I appreciate everyone submitting a question. If we don't full-blown get to yours, I apologize. Um, DM but, Clint. Yeah, DM Clint and yell at him. Yeah. It's Absolutely. his fault. It's his fault. Get it out of our way, hands. I love, uh, <laughs> I love when people get mad at me and motherfuck me over the internet. That's fun. And then I also uh, <laughs> I like whenever people DM me and ask me questions and stuff. I try to get to everybody, try to always respond. I try not to take too long. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's fun, man. I like, I like being that guy, you know, whether it's something that I have screwed up on and know from a, a failed attempt or something that I've gotten really good at and can share a little bit of success secrets with you or whatever, like shoot the shit at me, man. Gear related. I was just talking to Connor, um, the old, uh, the old whitetail drifter the other day, man, he was shooting a bunch of questions at me on gear and, and packs and tents and all kinds of shit. And dude, I love, I, I love talking gear. love talking bow hunting, love shooting the shit. Don't be afraid to hit me up on any platform, whatever. Uh, Hands down, man. That's that's maybe my favorite part of the, the whole gig of being in the industry. I love uh, love talking bow hunting. Love talking hunting in general. That's I, what, I just say, hell, I've called you with questions. Oh yeah, I, I love it, man. I mean, I'm you know, it's it's fun. It's fun to go back and forth and and pick somebody's brain or they pick yours or that's knowledge is power, man. That's 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 how you get good at shit. That's right. Well, let's fire off. I'll pick the first question here on Instagram. Um, this guy, we see his name a lot pop up, pop up on our Instagram. So thank you for the support and everything you do. Uh, Dickman Hunts is his Instagram. Uh, Clint, as a guy that hunts strictly public land and I can't run cameras by state laws, how could you possibly pattern a buck? What would be your number one spot to hang and bang? And thanks for using our terminology, sir. We love you. Absolutely. Good dude right there. Huge supporter of you guys. Supports me a lot. Hats off. Uh, half off to that, man. Okay, so we're on public, we're going no cameras, and we're wanting to figure out how to pattern a buck or just bucks in general, I'm assuming. Is that correct? Yep, yep, yep. All right, okay, cool. All right, so first thing, uh, if it's me, I'm looking at topography immediately, right off the rip, because if, if there's no fields around to basically scout or look at or glass from afar, you're not able to run cameras. So as far as sitting back and letting intel tell you what to do uh you're gonna have to do your own homework and you're gonna have to go put your feet on the ground and make it happen um make it happen as in you know scout and and hunt accordingly to what you're seeing and what you're finding so i do this in kentucky when when, when i go down and hunt kentucky public i mean there are there's no egg fields there's absolutely nothing it's big woods um Topography has always gotten me into deer i'm not saying it's going to get you into a giant buck right off the rip but topography will get you into deer whether it's uh, a saddle, whether it's a, um, a funnel at the top or bottom of a ravine, whether it's, um, you know, uh, a really, really steep spur ridge that's coming off a main ridge that you know is going to funnel deal, funnel deer either left or right of it because of how steep it is, shit like that, that's immediately going to put you into deer because deer are creatures of habit. And as far as habit goes, they're going to try to use the path of least resistance. I mean, they're not going to go cross you know, ravines in the middle when they can go up around or down at the bottom and around and, and make life easier on themselves. I mean, just like we wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I would, I, I'm going to look at topography hundred percent. Then definitely you're going to want to hang and bang. Um, and I mean, <laughs> in steep, it like, like down there in Kentucky, the thermals are everything and the winds, everything, because you've got swirling winds. You got, you, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's very steep, hilly terrain where I hunt. So if it's like that, I mean, you're going to have to kind of, in my opinion, sort of play on the on the edge of caution when you first start to hunt that stuff because you don't want to go in there, bum rush right into a spot, not really knowing for sure deer movement or deer patterns at all as, as far as how they're using it, and then blow everything out. So what I would do is I would pick a spot and maybe go in and hang and bang off of it. You know, maybe it's 80 yards, maybe it's 100 yards, but you want to be able to see what's going on, but maybe not be yeah. right in their face right off yeah, the right rip. And then once you see yeah. what's going on, and you can be like, okay, look, on an evening hunt, I watched all these deer come up over this saddle and come into my lap, heading down into this bottom. Okay, so you're going to assume they're bedding on the other side of that saddle. So now for an evening hunt, you can get, you know, you, you can kind of predict what the thermals are going to be doing as, as the air is cooling and you can kind of predict the movement and then set up accordingly now that you kind of have an idea. But if you bum rush right in there right off the rip and just go for it all at once, I would be kind of afraid that, you know, you're, you're going to kind of cut your throat before you ever actually get the hunt started. So I would almost yeah. observation stand some of these really good spots, see how deer are using them, see how they're moving and then pick your poison from there and kind of work your way in. I'd start from the outside, work your way in. But you're definitely going to have to get your feet dirty, and you're going to have to go down in and find them. I mean, big woods, public land like that with no cameras, that, that's rough, man. That's a challenge. That's that's hard. I mean, I've done it in Kentucky. And uh, first time I ever hunted Kentucky, man, I was down there for um, a weekend before, scouted, and then went and hunted four straight days. I honestly didn't get into a deer until the the morning of the fourth day came back the following weekend and dude I, I was into deer i was into deer every time i hunted there from that point on but it took me three days of basically getting my ass kicked bouncing around hanging and banging till i figured out what was going on had to cross some stuff off my list as far as what you know where deer were not and where deer were and that's what led to me getting into deer you know i mean that's just that's that's the only way you can play it yeah, and then to kind of build off of that, how do you deal with other uh, hunter pressure, or do you even not even worry about you gotta it? you got to pattern the other hunters. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm honestly, not asking you. Know, observation stands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, man, I go into that stuff, and I don't even worry about it until yep. it's there because you can't predict it. I exactly. mean, you don't know That's where true. someone's going to pop out, where someone's going to be. So until I yep. see it, it's, it's honestly, it's not even a thought in my mind because – Every time I lace the boots up and grab my bow, it's it's constant. Tonight's the night. I'm getting it done tonight. So yep. I don't even think about that kind of shit because it just that that's just going to cloud your mind and it's gonna it's gonna take away from you being in tune with what you need to be thinking about. So realistically, and now let's say I do get into pressure. Okay, now I'm going to start looking at. All right, I've seen deer here, but there's pressure here. Where where are escape routes? Where are spots that are close to this spot that is the same type of terrain features, but it's deeper in or it's more out-of-the-way spots or I need a boat to access or it's harder to get to. Now I'm going to move to those secondary spots where deer are going to migrate to because people have pushed them there. I but love that you said that. I'm not going to go there yeah. unless I have to go there. You know what I mean? I'm going yeah. to stick with what's going on until I see pressure. When I do see pressure, it's time to flip the switch, flip gears. Now I'm going to go to second, what I will call, in my opinion, a secondary living area for a buck. Yep. Clint, do you think Bingo. that people worry too much about other pressure when it comes to public? I mean, sometimes guys have to, but do you think generally people are just, like, too stressed about it? Yeah, absolutely. I think people, for lack of a better term, I think people mindfuck themselves right out of good spots <laughs> because they yeah. see three cars parked at a trailhead or they see boot tracks coming in or coming out. I mean, look, you know, like, I've always said this. 
and I mean, I've kind of mentioned it in writing, and I mean, it's I've, I've said it on podcasts before and, and whatnot. I mean, you cannot predict what a deer is going to do, and you can't predict what the guy down the road is going to do. Right. But you can plan. You can plan for okay. If this does happen, there is pressure. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at these spots, and you can kind of have like a plan of attack. But you can't predict from hunt to hunt whether you're gonna have pressure or not. Just like you can't predict from hunt to hunt whether you're gonna see your buck or or get into deer. Or, so I mean, you know, like for me, it's I try not. Like I said, I try not to really honestly even like even like think about it because I don't want that to dictate what I'm doing. And there's been so many times where I've hunted public for antelope or for, for, you know, for elk. And you go up to a trailhead and dude, there's 15 cars parked there. I mean, there's tents and campers and, but here's the thing. Most of those guys, they don't leave camp past two miles. Half of them scared. The other half's lazy. So, so when I see that, I try to put a positive twist on it. Like, okay, I know the surrounding three or four mile radius is probably not going to produce what I want. So therefore I'm going to start my search at five or six miles. And that's where I'm going to start actually really concentrating from there back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I try to actually use the pressure as spots to X off my map. These are spots that probably are not going to happen in. Or if you see that a ton of people are walking past some little hidden gem, maybe it's a, five acre patch of cattail marsh that's along some swamp and everybody and their brothers walking right past this to go deeper but there's no pressure there's no boot tracks there's there's nobody walking into this spot dude don't think don't think that don't think there's not mature bucks and does that haven't figured that shit out mm -hmm. i mean you know so it's it's kind of a it's a double-edged sword i mean you gotta you want to try to outthink other guys, but you also don't want to mindfuck yourself into into missing spots either. I mean, you want to try to, like I say, stay positive, I think, is the biggest key. Do not let other people dictate you away from your plan until they absolutely make you change your plan. Right. Right. That's good advice. Yeah. That's, yeah. advice. That's, awesome you hope advice. They the, that's why you hope they have the Where to Hunt app so you know where they're at. Absolutely. <laughs> that should be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bounce to the uh, next question. Keller George asks... Uh, I'm a South Central Wisconsin. Uh, I'm in South Central Wisconsin, hunting mainly pretty flat ground, but a lot of lowlands and ag fields. When hunting around creeks with not much to, uh, topography, do you have to pay attention to thermals as much? Wind and thermals, in my opinion, you you have to pay attention to no matter what, because there is a creek anywhere around that creek. Because of the current, there is going to be a natural flow of thermals. The water itself will create a thermal wind drift. Guarantee you on a calm day where there is no wind, the thermals will be going one direction or another. I mean, it's it's almost like that that current drift down in, even if there's really, it's not really down in a creek bottom, but it's still got to be low laying of some sort. So if you're hunting around that, yes, absolutely. I mean, realistically, there's no spot I ever hunt ever where I'm not paying attention to the wind and thermals. Now, I'm going to tell you a good thing about this. We're going to put a positive spin on the flatland thing. Um, you should be able to get in and get out to a lot of spots without being seen because you don't have big ridges and big hilltops for bucks to bet on and watch you walk in. So that's a plus. Another good plus to not having a ton of topography is you get super steep terrain, like, again, down in Kentucky where I hunt, or you go out to, like, Montana. Dude, 
everywhere there's a ravine, everywhere there's a canyon, everywhere there's a saddle, everywhere there's a big drainage, the wind is constantly different. It's sucking down through there or it's sucking up through there. The thermals are constantly changing. I mean, when I'm on mule deer hunts in steep terrain, there's only about a three-hour window during the middle of the day where the currents and the thermals are going to be rising, and it's going to give me an opportunity to go in with the right wind as far as thermals go and put a stock on a buck because every other time throughout the day, they're actually going down the mountain. And that's why you see these bucks all the time on the steep sides of these slopes and stuff because the thermals are damn near always in their favor besides a few hours of the day. I mean, it's a very short window. So, so that's, so that's a positive spin is with the flat ground. I mean, you're not going to have you're not going to have thermals constantly kicking your ass all the time. Your wind and your thermals, once you figure out kind of how that property works and what's good for you, they're going to stay pretty consistent. Awesome, so awesome. That's a, that's, I like that I mean, question because that applies a lot to our listeners. You know, a lot of guys oh, don't sure. hunt yeah. real hilly ground. So yeah. yep. I yep. like like the question, love the answer. Um, Brady, this is an interesting one. So... Um, uh, sorry, Brady. I'm going to butcher your Instagram name. Brady in Calgar. I got a question for Clint. How much energy and resources does he devote to summer trail cam pictures and setups, knowing that a buck's home range will shift come fall? What are his steps to setting up a camera set? And are cameras still worth using during the summer months, even if the property you hunt for the last couple of years has not held nearly of the same bucks from the summer to the fall? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, so here's my take on. Here we go. On, here, 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 here we go. Buckle your ass in. He just, put his, cor- oh, he just yeah. put his corduroy jacket uh, on. Here yeah. Yeah. Leather, yeah. leather here elbow go. pads. Okay, so, <laughs> crack a beer um, for this one. I am a firm believer, and this is this is just me, but I'm a firm believer that right now you're going to start to see patterns form, and if you're not seeing patterns form, you're not paying attention. So in the summertime. I'm not saying that you put a camera up on, say, uh, say you got a, a clover food plot. We'll use that for an example. I'm not saying you're going to kill this buck come October 1st on this clover food plot. But here's what I'm going to tell you. This buck that's coming into this clover food plot in daylight right now in June, July, August, he's going to tell you a lot of information that's going to help you kill him come fall, and here's why. That buck, even though it's summertime, he's not being hunted. Here's the deal. He's not being hunted by you, but he's still being hunted by coyotes. Depending on what state you're in, you got bobcats, you got lions, you got bears, etc. Deer are always switched on. Just because it's not hunting season, they're still doing things for a reason. Just because it's not you pressuring them, they're still getting pressure from other from other animals and from from just the world itself they live in. That buck is going to use a wind coming to that food plot that he likes. That buck is going to use a moon phase that he likes that buck is going to use that farm to his advantage come into that food plot now come fall is that where you're going to kill him probably not there's going to be acorns there might be a bean field that's still green there might be corn that's being chopped i don't know what the case may be but you're going to come to find out that that buck has a wind direction on that farm that he loves to use in daylight if you pay attention to moon phases you're going to see nights that he moves earlier because just instinctively that's t- that the i mean everyone knows i'm a huge moon guy red moon the sun is setting blue moon and, oh dude <laughs> blue moon yes <laughs> hell yeah brother so i mean i 
in my opinion right now is when you pattern a buck. And everyone's heard me say this on this podcast a million times. Patterns kill big deer, period. Pat, I'm not saying that you can't call one in. I'm not saying you can't use sense. And I know right now there's some guy in Minnesota that's like, oh, listen to this guy, goddamn asshole. Here, son, give me my grunt, call my black rack. I'll show him. I'll call him. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't do it. But here's what I'm saying is consistently you want to kill big deer, you hunt patterns, period. That's that's patterns kill bucks. It's hard right to argue with, man. It's hard to argue when you, with. Oh yeah, and and right now with a bow, it, add that in there too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and 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 right now is when you start to see patterns. So my trail camera strategy is this: I want to be in spots where I've got mature bucks at. Yeah, I want to get pictures of them, hundred percent. But I'm more concerned with times of day, wind direction, moon phase. I'm looking at where, okay, where's this buck, where's he potentially bedding, where's he hanging out, where's he staying? And then from there, I'm going to start to formulate a plan. And here's something else that this, this is, this is going to blow people's minds. Because a lot of people believe that bucks strip velvet and they're fucking gone. 20 miles, they're four farms over, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone, that's it, they're gone. All the big and ones go to Iowa. <laughs> the, the, they're, they're, they're all gone. And let me tell you, and, and this is just my own personal experience. From, you know, the last freaking 20 years of bow hunting, what I've done wrong and done right, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Bucks figure out, due to pressure from the month before season, that hunting season's coming. Human pressure that they haven't smelled or seen or heard all year is now there. And they move off into secondary living, spots that you don't even know exist, little hideaways, but they're still there. They're still going to use that farm. They're still around. I'm not saying that they don't move a farm over because a cornfield's getting cut or because acorns are dropping or whatever. But they don't leave the country. They're not leaving the. They're not leaving the entire country. But like I said, though, these patterns that you're finding right now in June, July, and August, they will apply to what that buck is going to do when he is on that farm come September and October. So my trail cam strategy is I want to know what wind does this buck like? Why does he like it? Potentially, where is he staying? And then I'm going to try to think. I'm going to try to think like a deer. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I want to put myself in his shoes as to putting the puzzle pieces together with why is he doing what he's doing? Why does he like this? You know, why does he like this? What's okay, the reason? What's the reasoning the behind it? Hot right now, and it won't be in two months. But he likes this farm or he wouldn't be here in daylight. So I'm trying to think ahead, game plan ahead. So you're telling me you don't believe in the uh, September deer buck migration every year? Oh, no. Oh, you don't no. believe in that? <laughs> I mean, I believe. I'm, like I said, I'm not saying some bucks don't do that. But I think there are a lot of people that think every mature buck does that, and that's false. That is 100%. I'm going to give you a prime example. Extra. Six-and-a-half-year-old whitetail. That deer, i got to think back. I'm pretty sure it was 122 out of 157 days. Don't quote me on these numbers, but it was somewhere around there. Starting in May till the night I killed him, that deer was in daylight. 122 out of 157 times. I, I had three cameras covering spots that I knew he frequented. 122 out of 157 days, roughly. That deer was in daylight. There were two distinct wind directions, 
a north or northeast or a straight east wind that if it was blowing out of that direction, that deer was on, on a camera in daylight every time. 100%. 100%. If it was out of the south or the west, I don't know if I got 10 pictures of him in daylight. Also, on on a red moon night, so as your sun is setting and your moon's rising, all, all in the same frame, typically that deer was out 35 to 40 minutes earlier. Now, those patterns on two of those cameras were spots that I knew I was not going to kill that buck. I knew I wouldn't kill him there. I knew he would switch off those spots. But I knew he'd be in there come, you know, early in the summer. And I wanted to try to figure out where he was bedding, what he was doing. And it was very evident on every single one of those spots, there were two winds that bucked like. When the wind was not out of those, that north, northeast or an east wind, literally I had almost no pictures. That buck did not like frequenting that farm for whatever reason in those spots, not saying he wasn't half a mile down the road on the same farm, but he was not right there for whatever reason. And opening night when I killed him, I had a straight northeast wind, and I knew going in, this buck's going to show. I mean, he just, that, that pattern was there. I mean, it was a, it was a, now I'm not saying every buck you're going to pattern like that, but what I'm saying is, is those patterns are going to help you down the road somewhere because that buck doesn't just forget just because he strips velvet doesn't mean he forgets what winds he likes on that farm or why he was there all summer or what was going on. I mean, you know, he's not just going to totally change up how he's using that farm. No way. You, you know what? I just I, I just realized. I figured out what happens when you die and go to heaven. You get when you die, you get to go to heaven, and you get to find out. You get all the answers to that deer that you were chasing. Like, what the hell did he do in those days yeah. where I didn't see him? Yeah. Where did that buck ever go? You get to get all the answers, all the answers of yeah. every big deer you ever saw. You get to live that deer's life. I think that's exactly what happens because, dude, there's sometimes like there's this this one giant deer that I had on camera. Shit, was it three years ago? Just showed up out oh, of nowhere. Oh, the the booner, that, that big bastard. Yeah. yeah, that was two years ago. I think he, he showed up. Never was so a fucking giant. Like when, <laughs> like when I say giant, Clint, I'm saying like this buck. When I saw him, I was like, "Oh, he's over 170." Typical. Oh, oh god, that is a fucking giant. Just wow. one picture of him and nothing else. So I, I'm always curious about where that deer came from. I, I want to when I die, I want to see his life and just yep. get closure. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, See what happened to him? Yeah, like what the hell? Where was he at? Why did he I mean, pass here's, by? Here's something else that you need to think about with, with the camera strategy right now. And, and, and this also leads me to believe not as many bucks leave a farm as people think. Let's say you got a 100-acre farm. You're running five cameras. Dude, your cameras cover a 30-foot long by 15-foot wide swath. Now, you mean to tell me that... With five cameras on that 100-acre farm, you can sit there and say, I had this buck on camera every day till he stripped velvet, and now he's gone. He's left the area. Dude, he could have moved 100 yards down the fucking the ravine head and be living over there now, but because you have no camera there or you're not hunting there, he could be frolicking in daylight all day long over there, and you'd never know. You'd never know because most guys, they don't move cameras, and they don't change as the velvet does strip, you know, there's acorns falling. There's, 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 you got crab apples, you got apples, you got egg. I mean, you got a million things going on. I just don't, I do not buy into the, oh, they strip velvet and every buck leaves. They might leave that spot. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. They might leave that spot. 
But you're telling me they're going to totally leave all these farms? Every big buck does that? No, dude. I'm not buying it. Nope. No one will ever convince. I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm not, you're, you're basing all of your thoughts off of two or three cameras that's covering 300 acres. You're not yeah. even seeing that's 2% of that farm. Clint, let me ask this. Going away from some of these questions, we have a ton to hit. So, I mean, we're obviously not going to make all of them, but we're going to try. Um, when do you start putting your chill cameras out? Personally, I don't even – like right now I don't have – I have two out from turkeys and I just left them out. Um, and But I won't hit it for deer hard until probably like after 4th of July, like mid-July personally. I usually start end of May, um, sometimes earlier, sometimes maybe a little bit later. But I would say right around end of May is when I really start getting a lot of stuff serious. Right now, I've got, uh, I think, nine out, nine or ten out, and I got five or six more that I need to get. How get often rolling. will you check those cameras? Um, during this time of the year, I mean, it'd be probably once every maybe 10 to 12 days, middle of the day. Damn, that's more often than I thought. Yeah, for sure. Personally. Well, I mean, a lot of spots, I've got cameras set up that's easy access. I mean, I'm not... Right now, I'm all about trying to figure out just who's around, what's going on, who made it, who didn't, what's this buck look like. Um, as time goes on, I'll start to dig in a little deeper into spots. And now those spots that aren't easy access, they might go two, three weeks without me going in. But right now, I'm trying just to get an idea of, okay, does this farm have what I'm looking for? Yes or no. Does this farm have what I'm looking for? Does this piece of, you know, does, does this piece of timber uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of just taking inventory, trying to see what's around. Once I key in on a couple bucks or a couple farms or whatever, or maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm glassing some pieces of public, you know, around edges, trying to see what's coming out of them and, and what's what. I'm just trying to get inventory and figure out what's going on. And then from there, I'll kind of start to key in. And, and for me, what I've got is once I figure out what bucks I'm going to hunt, I go back to school. I get out my little notebook it's got every farm listed. It's got what bucks, and it's going to have every time I get a picture in daylight, I'm going to jot down date, time, a little bit of notes about the weather, the moon phase, and the direction he was coming and going. And I'm telling you, I know it sounds, there's people right now rolling their eyes going, this fucking dude does not do this. <laughs> you ask any of my buddies here, this they guy. all make fun of me. I go, I go back to fucking school when it comes to these deer. Because I'm telling you, a pattern forms. You will distinctly see a pattern on these big bucks. They will show it and give it to you if you're willing to put in the time. They're a creature of habit. They're a creature of pattern. I mean, that's what they do. Well, they're they big do. enough to do something that kept them alive, so they're going to do it more often than Absolutely. other deer Absolutely. I mean, and these little fawns learn this shit from their mother. I mean, she puts them in a spot and tells them, don't move. I'll come get you later. I mean, it's it's all a pattern. It's it. I mean, whitetails live off of a pattern. You just got to figure out what the pattern is, and then go get it done. Then, but I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's a, outside of the rut. It's a pattern. Now the rut, eh, it's a fucking clusterfuck. I'm a I'm a hot mess. <laughs> I lose fifteen pounds. I'm constantly stressed. I don't know where my bucks are at. I don't know what's going on. It's it's just rant. I mean, the rut stresses me the fuck out, but I love it because you're on pins and needles constantly, so it's fun. Yeah. But but plus, outside you're getting deer that could have been outside of what normally would have been in your hunting area oh, yeah, that are yeah, roaming. No so it's yep. it's anyone's game at that point. That's yep. 
the mystery yep. behind the rut is what makes the rut so much fun. Kurt, it's a total oh, clusterfuck, guys. Kurt, yeah. Kurt, don't tell yep. him. We need to get our hands on that book. We need to go to Clint's house and get our hands on that book. Fuck yeah. His, I'll no, tell you his what. notebook? <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's better in the Declaration of Independence. He can hear you. You know what's, what? what's funny about oh, that? Oh, shit, I thought I was on mute. Hey, shut up. I, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> what, what, what's funny about that book is is uh, you can tell the nights that I'm out glassing and I've had a, a couple too many beers because my writing starts getting super fucking sloppy. And I'm like, I can't even read that. What am I talking about? You should jot down Where'd how many. Go? Where'd he come from? You should down how many beers you have <laughs> during each. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw uh, I saw tall tines. Oh boy, that was three sheets of the wind. That yeah, was, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, tally yeah. marks at the top. <laughs> yeah, the, the weather was blue. What the hell does this even mean? <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Clint, I want to hop to this next question here. This is a good one, and I'm going to butcher your Instagram name. I'm sorry, man. I don't know how to say that. Iron Sin Trader Seventeen. I no, that's not wrong. I don't right? know. Iron Sin. It's not iron. Iron Sentinator. It's I I R O S E N T R E T. Iron Sen. I don't know. Iron Whatever. Senator. What? Iro Centrator. That's right. <laughs> Seventeen. That guy, um, that guy. That's why I'm naming the biggest buck on the farm this year. Is Dude, we're, name? we're how many blue moons and bush lights in? We're trying to read people's Instagram names. Name me something <laughs> hard. I love it. Um, question for Clint: How would you go about hunting a six and a half year old buck that beds on the? on the neighbors, but hits my two-acre food plot once every five to seven days. Plot is always loaded with those, so I don't want him to burn it out. Trying to guess when he'll be there. I've been playing cat and mouse with him for the last two years. Thanks. I think that's kind of like Jesse explained, trail cameras and weather. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's, yeah. there's, a, there's, some, there's a reason. Those five to seven days, so that means, you know, every five to seven days he's back for a day or two. There's guaranteed there's a reason there's a pattern there's he's not just randomly showing up there for just for shits and giggles no way no way six and a half year old buck that dude has been through the ringer he's been through five hunting seasons going on six now he knows what's up he's there for a reason it's either a combination of of you know wind slash weather or one of the two but something is there probably so i would almost guarantee something to do with wind but Here's what you here's what you have to do. Since there's a bunch of does that's there, you you obviously I've got to be super cautious with what you're doing because you sure as hell don't want to tip all of them off. You tip all of them off and it's over. I mean, you, you get them coming in expecting to see you in a stand where they already know you're going to be and you're screwed from the start. I mean, they're just going to stomp, snort, they're going to bust you every time. So, I do agree you're going to have to be cautious, but I would say well before season a plan needs to be in play on this farm with, with cameras or scouting from afar, using your glass to your advantage, whatever the case may be, of trying to figure out, A, what winds that buck likes, um, B, if there's some type of weather pattern, you know, whether it's fronts coming in, coming out, whether it's super high pressure, low pr- I mean, there's there's got to be something that's making him move in daylight, only five of seven. And you're going to have to capitalize on that, but you're going to have to make it count. I mean, once you find a pattern, I would stick to a day or two before and a day or two after of when, you know, like let's say it's it's a, there's going to be east, you know, that this buck's hitting on an east wind. East wind is going to be on Wednesday. You have like maybe a northeast wind on Tuesday and then like maybe a southeast wind on Thursday. So you've got a three-day window of east winds of some sort that that buck could potentially be there on, you're going to have to roll the dice and honey, man. I mean, you're not going to have perfect wins all the time, but 
you at least need to figure out, okay, something out of the East or something out of the West or whatever the case may be. I mean, and you're going to have to gamble because bucks don't do shit for very long. I mean, I live and die by the rule of three. If I see a buck do something two times, the third time, based off his pattern, I better fucking be there to kill him. And if I'm not there, shame on me. I don't deserve to kill him. Because a buck is not going to do stuff for three weeks, four weeks, a month. I mean, they're just they're just not going to do that. In the early fall, into pre-rut, even in late season, I mean, you know, you're not going to have patterns that last forever. So once you figure it out, you got to get in there and roll the dice and capitalize. That would be my strategy. Figure out what he's doing or try to come up with a reason of why he's there only two out of five or seven days. Those two days, why is he there? And get your ass in there when those conditions are right. Stick that big prick, and then let's get naked. <laughs> let's get naked. I like that. Stick that big prick and let's get naked. Quote of the year. Um, <laughs> there's some. I sifted through a bunch of questions just now. Um, we've answered a lot of them uh, within other questions type of deal. You know, we we knew we would do this. Like they get asked, we answer them when we answer other questions. Um, here's a cool one. Clint Sackman says, if you could choose a management plan for whitetail in your state. What would it be? Example, one buck or point restrictions. And what two states would you say has their shit together the best? I say two because I assume Iowa is one of them. Actually, I would agree uh, with you, Clint, that Iowa is probably one of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow a lot of minds here. If I'm going even top three right now, Iowa's not in it. Clint, you I know, was, you don't got to lie to the people, my friend. I mean, you don't have to disagree with me just to disagree. I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, right, oh, dude, he's going to he's going to roll the Kentucky dice watch. I yeah. saw this. I, Kentucky, I saw this. Indiana, uh, in actually Delaware, Hawaii, Delaware, New Hampshire, and Maryland. Sleeper state, bro. Florida, Georgia line, man. There's a reason. And Hawaii. What's super funny is. If I'm going to go three right now, they've all got one common denominator, one buck per year for the most part. Now, there is an exception, I believe, in Indiana. And you can mix match these around. Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. Let me – I actually saw this question. <laughs> Called it. And, now, wait a second. I saw this question, and I did me a little bit of research because I knew we'd get to this. And just for everybody out there, it's about to think I'm fucking nuts. Okay. In the last decade – Wow. The last decade – Boone and Crockett entries. Now, don't quote me on these numbers because I'm trying to remember. But I know Ohio was number two, 457. Really? Indiana was number three. Or, I'm sorry. Indiana was, was uh, number four at 368, and Kentucky was number three at 418. Fifth on the list is Iowa at, I believe it was 355 or 354. Now, mind you, this is the last decade. So this isn't, this is, this is just the last 10. But here's what's, Here's my is Wisconsin number one? Wisconsin was number one. Here's the common denominator. More hunters there, though. Two, three, and four. One buck. One buck states. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think one buck yeah. is a great idea. I do. Even I, dude, I'm a fan of it. I, I, I'll be honest with you. If Ohio ever goes to two bucks, we will be super, super fucked. <laughs> because it, this this state lives off of that, dude. It, I mean, this is why we have giants is because you get one buck tag. I you do agree with that, man. You shoot the first one twenty that yeah. walks in, you're done till the following year, dude. That's a long, long time. 
Yep. I do agree with you, Clint, and I'm a I'm a guy that lives in a two buck state, and I did shoot two bucks last year. And one of those two bucks, good bucks, I made my two, dad. two, two good, good bucks, bucks. Yes, one of those bucks. I will also say I don't regret shooting them. I need to add that I do not regret shooting them at all. I would I would have shot them again right after I shot them the first time. But one of those bucks, if it was a one, if it was a one buck state. I would have shot him, and I would have not have got the chance to shoot my second bigger buck. So put that in a little bit of perspective. I get, yep. I get what it could have played out to be. I get that is hunting. You take your chances. You you yep. pull the trigger. You own it. That's the consequence. You you better be proud of what you shoot. Um, you better honor what you shoot. You better respect what you shoot. And I did. Yep. I did on both of them. But in a five year plan, if Illinois had one buck, oh god, one yep. buck, any weapon, one buck. Yep. Over a three-year span, you would see it, Illinois would be the. I, I, I will say this: maybe not three years, maybe the five-year span. In five years, Illinois would be the number one state in the country for Boone and Crockett whitetails. If no, it was a one buck state. Would you be okay yeah. with rifle hunting if Illinois went to one buck? No, no, not at all. Okay, I, I, I would say the same. Muzzle thing. loader, you have muzzle loaders. That's a, that's God a, damn it! Leave yeah. me alone yeah. with the rifle shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, I'm just like we have muzzle loaders. God damn it, we have muzzle loaders. Yeah. Muzzle loaders, they can shoot three hundred yards. Are you kidding me? An inline muzzle loader, you could shoot three, four hundred yards all day now with them. Yeah, and I, I love muzzle loaders. Yeah, I love muzzle loaders. I'm just I'm kidding the way I Yeah, I know, no, it's it, but it's like why do we need? Uh, yeah, it's why do you need a rifle when you got a muzzle loader? I think it's because they're way cooler. Man. Yeah, and it's like uh, yeah, I think right, we're not talking like, rifle shit. No one more one shot. But I, do you agree with me? Do you think? Do you think one buck? I mean, I think I think, and I think I would be the same way. I yeah, Yeah. have to be. Well, it's because all our deer are smart ass comment. I hope rifle season comes full bore for you guys. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Am I muted? Sorry, Doug. I had you muted. Watch your fucking mouth. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, mute him again. The thing (laughs) is, like, if Illinois had one buck, was a one buck state, and like so was Iowa. Like the thing that would suck for Iowa is that just all our deer would swim the river, and that's they just have to like know like oh those deer were all born in Illinois, but they swam the yep. Mississippi yeah, to Iowa exactly. Yeah. Then, so yeah. I would uh, just be like constantly have Doug and Eric feeding yeah. from well, me I'm and Steve yeah. and Tank's hands. On that remark, though, <laughs> wait, on that remark from Steve's counts. hands, <laughs> from me and Tank's hands. Yeah, okay, there you go. That's <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. A pinch. I'll accept that. Okay. Hey, what if what if Illinois went to one buck and antler restrictions, dude? Iowa wouldn't stand at what. What if Illinois went to one buck? And 150 inch 10 point restrictions. Oh <laughs> <laughs> you see the state burn, dude? What if? All right, That's now I'm savage here. Let, right there. Let, me, let me hold out. Damn. One one buck. 150 inch antler restrictions. No hunting in the month of November. And it has to be a double drop time. No, I'll tell you what. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear that? No. Did you hear? Ah, oh, twas the sound of panties dropping because the bush lattes are a popping over here. Take <laughs> <laughs> it good, boys and girls. Here's to you. We need that in the intro. We need that in the intro right Wait, there. Clint, give me, uh, give me if in your eyes, even though like, kind of like go go a little over the top. Like you're not looking out for the general public. <laughs> go for Clint Casper's over the top state management plan in any state. Pick a state, give me something <laughs> over the top, but like it, it, like where it could be done, but like everybody would be kind of mad yeah. about it, but it would be great for the, the deer herd as far as deer antler inches wise. No Man, I, I, mean, I, I think you got to have one buck, and I mean, honestly, 
the point restriction thing, like, like in Pennsylvania, I mean, I hunt with a lot of buddies over there. Um, you know, good buddy of mine, Bo Martonic with East Meets West podcast. He, him and his dad, dude, they kill fucking studs every year. That family, dude, they kill three or four. I mean, good, but like not Pennsylvania studs, one tens, one twenties. I mean like one thirty, one forty, one fifty class bucks and bigger. His, uh, girlfriend a few years ago it's ex-girlfriend now but she's really? fucking 171 dude on public nice. like that's why i don't bring I mean, girlfriends i mean on. dude they kill some <laughs> freaking he and they find giant oh. sheds antler point restriction has worked out awesome there because it has given that state a chance that state is a super but there again though it's a rifle state everybody and their brother in what that state, state do they live in that's in pennsylvania uh, yeah I just don't really so like agree with me, the antler restriction because you. I see. I've killed a hundred fifty inch eight pointer. Oh no, no, yeah. for sure, no, absolutely. I'm just saying, as states, it's hard to pinpoint. In my own perfect world, I mean, n- number one, you got to kill does. I mean, you can't have yeah. like in Ohio. That's one bad thing that we have is is we have. It's nothing to have a buck to doe ratio of two bucks to five or six does, or one buck to five or six does on a farm because. Yep. There's a million of them. I mean, I, I wish we would go back to more antlerless tags, but definitely one buck. I mean, you got to keep it one buck. Um, in my opinion, you should let guys shoot. I'm not saying you got to open it up to as many does as you want, but let them shoot three or four a year. I mean, let, let them, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that's going to buy three or four tags and go out and kill one or two deer and say, that's it, I'm done, I'm bored. I'm, I mean, yep. it's not like everybody that buys four tags or says they're going to buy four tags is going to buy four tags. I mean, it's just it's generating money, and you're keeping those numbers in check because guys are always bitching about the rut. Uh, the rut sucks. The rut's not what it used to be. Yeah, well, the, the deer numbers aren't what they used to be, too. The deer numbers back, you know, say 10, 12 years ago, you didn't have. You know what I mean? there was The deer numbers were different. I mean, you didn't have a bazillion. I can remember when I first got into bow hunting. Dude, I didn't look at a bean field and see 25 does. You saw five or six. Right. I mean, you, you know, mm-hmm. you just now it's nothing for me to watch a bean field on a August first night, and there'd be fifty deer in a ten acre bean field. Fifty. That's on. I mean, it's nothing to look around a farm and see eighty five deer. I mean, there, there's. I'm not saying every farm's like that, but in the summer, there's farms that's got seventy, eighty deer on them. I mean, that's an ass load of deer. And it does change things when you those. have those type of so, deer I mean, numbers. In my opinion, you got to have. One buck, you got to have really good doe management. Um, I think there should be a rule in place that says if you're in a, any type of rider, you're allowed to go wherever you want. You can trespass. You can <laughs> nice, I, I think, like it. I, I, or I podcaster. I think that's fair. Or well, podcaster. see, and Clint, too, I think around Iowa, there's a lot more does than there are bucks. I've just noticed that in the last couple of years. So in the one, of, one of the properties that me and Doug hunt, we have to shoot a doe. To be able to shoot a buck, I think that would be a good I like thing. That. Yep. I think I like that, that would be a good thing to put in in a statewide thing. I like yep. that. The only the only condition that I don't think I like that in is non residents because let's say you got six days to hunt. Right. The last thing you want to yeah. have to do is fuck around and try to kill a doe right. on a six seven day hunt and then try to go kill. I mean, you're you know you don't want to have to go into an area looking for a doe to shoot, fuck around, do all that, and then now. What if that takes you two or three days? Half your hunt's gone. So that, right. but yeah. I, I do like the idea of if you're a resident and you want a buck tag, do like an earn a buck deal. You and have to earn it. Shoot That's a right. doe. Shoot a doe. 
I'll give you a buck tag. Right. I think I think that would be awesome to implement so, in the whole state. Yep. Yep. Clint, let me yep. clarify here. Like, So if you had your ultimate like state with the best deer hunt management rules, you would let a non-resident come in and kill a buck every year? I mean, with the money that you're generating to put back in, but, I mean, it's, but it's, let me let me throw a stick in your spokes for a resident. Why why should a resident have to kill a doe then to, to kill a buck, but a non-resident can come in and kill a buck? Oh no! Oh, absolutely! I mean, no, no. I see what you're saying, and you're 100 percent right. I mean, if you're if you're a resident, you're gonna you're definitely gonna pitch a bitch about that. I mean, there's there's no <laughs> doubt, 110 percent. Right. I'm just I'm just saying is that you're gonna have people that's gonna say, wait a minute, we're gonna kill. A lot of revenue created from non-resident hunters by implementing this if they're only coming for five or six days. And let's be honest, Ohio is super cheap for a non-resident, but I know that's going to change sooner or later. Look at the non-resident tags that are in Iowa and Illinois. Look at what your states yeah. are making. Well, and too, guys with, with... like me that are coming over there to hunt, if you start doing an, an, an implement, uh, you got to shoot a doe first, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not coming there. I'll, I'll go to Kansas. I'll go to Kentucky. I'm, I'm going somewhere else because – what if it takes three or four days to kill a doe on a seven-day hunt? That's the only window you got. Dude, you just spent 400 and some dollars on a buck tag to spend two, three or four yeah, days fucking yeah. around to shoot a doe? I agree. Well, and like, too, in, in Iowa, you have to draw so many points I to get... Two, exactly. Two points as a non-resident, So if right? that was okay, yep. if that was a thing and non-residents didn't have to shoot a doe, I would be fine with that because they spent years trying to put it in a tag. See, yeah, point yep. system makes that's it different. Good, right. In that's Illinois... Good, right. That's a real good point. I'm a resident of Illinois... Anybody like Eric, you could come buy a tag and license in Illinois yeah. and hunt here and kill a buck every year, yep. and then leave yep. every year. Every year, I yep. think that Illinois, especially in the financial shape that we're in, should do <laughs> two preference points, make them fifty bucks a point, and then you're after you get two preference points, you're guaranteed a buck tag on the third year. Yep, guaranteed. Hey, if I'm not mistaken, and and quote me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're wrong. <laughs> you're definitely you're definitely wrong. In, 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 a, in a technical, I, I think non-residents are able to kill two. No, two bucks, or no, maybe no. it's just youth. Nope, landowners no. that are non-residents. That's that right, so that maybe that's what I was thinking. But I'm not of, a landowner, I, so I wouldn't. Well, know. So you can still yeah. draw the landowners tag plus your non-residents tag. I yeah, think so. so. I don't. I don't know though. Don't. Oh, this is theme. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to a couple other questions here, Clint. Um, Hell yeah, let's this, get them. James Stevens asked. This is the best question that I think we had. Um, if you had to hunt with Steve, would it be in a tree stand or a ground blind, and why? Uh. Ground blind all day. I want to be eye level with a superior athlete. I feel like in a <laughs> ground blind Correct. scenario, um, Steve can be completely naked. I can see him in his natural environment. In a tree stand, I mean, you can still get naked, but it's going to be hard for us to move around. I feel like I can, I can, I can watch him prowl. I can, I can, I can just watch prowl. what he does. Cover himself with mud. Like prowl. <laughs> prowl. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like I'm going to get more of an experience in a ground blind. There's more room for activities. I just think that if I'm back in the shadows in the corner, I can just let him do his thing. Just watch what he does from an hour to hour basis, and uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to get more out of it. Just really learn. Yeah, that notebook would be full if you if you hunted with Steve. Oh, yeah. oh my god, I mean, it'd be full Steve of is, shit. I mean, it's it's just. Uh, <laughs> right, hey, I mean, look. if we're talking dominant bucks, the first one of the first things to pop in my mind is is Steve. I mean, he is. He's just a dominant fucking bull buck. There's no doubt about Heavy it. Heavy I mean, body, dude. Just a, he's just an absolute freaking stud. Here's I mean, another related question, Clint. Uh, Kyle Peterson asks, "How influential has Steve been in your hunting? Arby's in the deer stand." That dude went way back in our podcast. Damn. Hey, man, that's the I archives. Mean, Steve has taught me a lot. He's taught me basically what it means to be sexy. He's taught me 
basically how to carry myself in public, how to how to act cool without trying to scream I'm cool. When it comes to deer hunting, Steve has taught me absolutely fucking nothing. But the more to this story is, besides hunting, he's a dominant athlete slash predator. And, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind I would not have the lady skills that I possess now without knowing him. And I thank him for that every goddamn day. Bless you, Steve. Bless you, my friend. I, I, got, I gotta say, it is, uh, it is what I was uh, put on this uh, this earth for, and uh, I, know. I did. And I'm I did. just happy I get to experience it. You did do the woo. Did you see? I did get to meet my hero. I, I haven't bragged now, about that you yet, you guys. I didn't like that photo. Oh, you my. don't think I don't... I, of course I saw that. Dude, that was one of the coolest moments of my fucking life. I, I I'd say tell us about it, but nobody gives a fuck. I for you, dude. Dude, dude alright, for those of you who don't know, yes, I met Ric Flair, and I got a picture with him. And Woo! I gave him, I gave him a working class koozie and a bottle opener. Hell how, yeah! How did he react? He read it and he's like, "Oh, you like killing deer?" He's like, "Just like, just like a couple guys I know." And he just started autographing, and I'm like, "All right, dude, this, I was just in shock." So, he, so yeah. he didn't give two shits. So oh no, he read it. it and he like, dude, he he put it in his uh, he put it in his bag. Hey, at least you can cool. say Rick Flair yeah. saw our logo. He did. He did. And I got a picture with him. I got a I got a photo. I got to send you. It's hilarious. Um. Yeah, cool I don't story, care. Bro. Here's a next <laughs> yeah, question. I just I remembered it. Sorry, Corey Crenshaw. Sorry if I butchered your last name. I see your your name pop up a lot. Thank you, sir, for the support. Clint Casper. I know you always talk about bow hunting, and it is a bow hunting podcast. But do you gun hunt at all? And why not? If you don't, I'm a bow hunter to the core. However, with these new straight wall cartridges in Ohio, it's changed the game for me during the gun season. Thanks. Solid question. No, Blue Moon's I like making that. me I like slur that. a little. That's, I don't get. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I've ever actually been asked directly that. That's that's a good one. Uh, I I grew up shotgun hunting. I love guns. I own a bunch of guns. Um, to go Ted Nugent on everyone's ass, the mystical, majestical flight of the arrow, honestly, captivated me from a, a young age. And once I figured out the ins and outs and the intricate kind of cat and mouse game that is played in the bow hunting atmosphere versus kind of the gun game. I've just slowly migrated. Um, bow hunting allowed me as a kid. I loved gun season. I mean, I fucking dude Thanksgiving in the days after that leading up. Cause it's uh, the Monday of gun season is always the Monday after Thanksgiving for us here in Ohio. I can't tell you, the excitement level from Thanksgiving on following up into that Monday. Like, I, I couldn't sleep, but I got one week, literally. I got one week to hunt with Dad and all of his buddies. Some of my most fondest memories, man, are, you know, my, my dad and, and, and his buddies and their kids and just, you know, uncles and, and buddies. I mean, to this day, I still go gun hunt with all them guys. And I'll carry, and, and literally, I mean, I'll carry a gun, dude. You put coyotes in front of me, and I'm, but for me, Am I going to go kill my buck tag? Am I going to fill my buck tag? Nope. Not going to do it. And nothing against guns. I go for the camaraderie. It's fun as hell. I love to do deer drives with the family. I love to, I mean, I love to be a part of that atmosphere. It's like a heritage thing. But for me, man, the challenge, just the, the, the drive to do it, I'm not going to use the word harder, but there's just a more intricate level to getting it done with the bow. 
And that is what's always been fun to me. I mean, I just, I love knowing that I need to get you within, say, you know, realistically 40, 50 is, is, is what I'm striving to get. And bow hunting has allowed me to hunt all year long. When I was a kid, man, I had seven days in gun season. So I'm like, okay, I need to pick up bow hunting so I can hunt more because I'm a whitetail nut and that's all I think about and all I want to do. So how, how can I do this more? So I bought a bow, started with a recurve and a long bow, then migrated up into a compound and then it's just snowballed from there. But for the last, I'm going to say eight going on nine years, man, everything has been strictly a bow and it's, 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 it'll stay that way. I mean, I just absolutely am just engulfed by the, the, the intricate system that it takes to get it done with a bow year in and year out on turkeys, deer, elk. And, and I got guys that'll be like, dude, you'd already have a giant muley. You'd have three of them right now if you had a rifle. Absolutely. You're right. I would have three absolute freaking giants on the wall right now. Even if I had an open sight muzzleloader in Colorado, I'd have three. I'd have packed out three bucks the all over 190 muleys in velvet high country but that's just not my jam man my jam Corey crenshaw i believe was the name right did yep, i get that yep, right good yep. memory God damn. my jam my jam dude is watching my veins dive into the body cavity of whatever i'm pursuing at that moment yeah. right there <laughs> besides watching my two children be born Dude, I'm at the highest fucking peak of life. Dude, in that. that in the body cavity, out of the body cavity, dude. Oh, both... dude, I chase that. <laughs> They're I, great. I, I, I chase that, dude. Like that image, that moment, the the thirty seconds before, thirty seconds after. There is nothing like that. Nothing, and I chase that day to day, dude. That is what that's what sends me to the gym at ten o'clock at night. After I'm done working, after I'm done at the farm planting beans, tonight after this podcast, I'm going to go in there, bust my balls. Even after all these beers, I'm going to have to run a couple miles after I work out because I'm chasing that moment, dude, and I, I want it more. I just, that's just what I want. I mean, I, I'm that flight going into something and coming out, like you said, dude, that's it. For me, there is nothing better, nothing better. You hit that on a T, I I think. Yeah. So yeah, my yeah, guess is you, sure. don't, you don't wear gloves when you're cleaning deer. Oh, you fuck no. no. <laughs> Such a man. Man. A, I don't either. A, no. There's a thing no, no, no. with our entire group when you kill your first you kill your first deer. This is and, and I've watched my buddies, I've watched family, I've watched people when you shoot your first buck. Take a and, bite and, of the heart. And this is this goes back to the gun <laughs> this goes back to the gun days, the, the gun group. When me and all my buddies were little and we were killing our first bucks, you got with no gloves and that first deer as 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 fucking cliche, and there's gonna be people rolling their eyes on this one too. You're taking a bite of that fucking heart right straight out of the cavity, yep. still warm, still. That's just that is what my dad and Joe Evans, my taxidermist, lives right down the street. Guy who got me into bow hunting, shout out to him. That is just what they implemented, dude, and it's what we've done. And it's just, I mean, that's. That's all part of it, man. That is part of the total experience. We did. Dude, we, well, that was the same thing in our deer camp. When your very first deer, you gutted it and took a bite of the heart. Yeah, I wear. Uh, I do it, wear man. gloves when I get my deer luck. because I have a every everywhere I hunt is over an hour drive, 
So I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to drive home with blood all over my cab, so I'm going to get this with gloves. No, and you always say it's good luck to buy a pack of those gloves, so. It is. That, that's why I, I, I do the gloves, because, uh, I don't you know, do it's gloves. good luck. I'll drive two hours. I don't give a shit. But I will say this, though. I've got plenty of deer barehanded. Oh, for sure. I've got oh, the yeah. deer barehanded for Steve. Actually, so fuck you. And uh, <laughs> next question. Um, so this one's not really a question; it's more of a demand. And I and I approve of the, of the demand, which is why I'm going to read it. Zach Woodbury, oh, thank you, sir, for the support and the question. You guys got to get him to come to the Illinois Deer and Beer Fest as your guest and do a podcast of, with him there. My response: Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> Damn. August 24th and 25th in Bloomington, Illinois. Clint, will you be there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're yeah. killing me there. Uh, being realistic, nope. I will probably Give be the... in Colorado oh. getting ready to fucking go stick a big muley because it opens on the 30th, I believe. Chances are okay. I'm going to be westbound. You're right. Just, well, yeah, yeah, you're driving that is westbound. I was going to say, well, yeah, you didn't let me finish. Illinois is westbound, so it's a uh, there's a possibility. So here's the deal. Think about it. Head, head to Bloomington, it. Illinois. Stay there, say a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday night. We'll we'll put you up in a hotel out in Bloomington. Um, you have to sleep with Steve, and then I'm <laughs> sure you'll find some true. chick to stay with out naked, at the Illinois naked. show oh, yeah, for on it. Monday night, and then you can dip off from there and head to Colorado and kill Muley. My dream has come true. You sold me on the fact I get to share a room. With the fucking ultimate athlete predator himself, I'm in. No, not you, just you a room. A bed. A bed. No, not just a bed. Oh, a my God. A pull-out bed. And a and blanket. I, I'm bringing the sex swing. It's going to get weird. <laughs> All right, dude, I'll continue. We better find the stud. Eric, will you bring some black bolts? <laughs> <laughs> Here's another uh, another cool... It's not really a question, I don't think. I haven't read the whole thing. I've read part of it. Uh, Mitchell Fannin. Thanks to your other podcasts in the past, Clint... I finally have narrowed down a good bedding area on my new lease. Right now, I got a camera about a hundred yards to the up the hill from it. What's your advice on time of the season to hunt it? I've only checked this camera twice this year, as I'm trying to keep pressure off of it. And I'm from Western PA, so the wind changes direction sixty nine times an hour. Thanks, man. Yeah. So being um, being up on top of a hill like that, I mean, yeah, you're definitely going to fight thermals a lot, but the I mean, the cool thing about a setup like that, though, in my opinion, is if you found a spot, it sounds like he's got a spot narrowed down to where bucks are betting. So, and and using. So, I mean, I think what you got to do is you got to you got to deploy some cameras, and you need to figure out kind of, in an essence, how how they're using that betting area. I mean, are they? You know, is is that a is that a secondary spot? Is that a spot that they're bedding basically every day? I mean, are they? You know, what type of features around it could you use as an ambush setup? I mean, hunting right off the top of a ridge like that or the top of a hill, man, that's going to be dicey because you, I mean, he's right. You're going to have the wind and thermals constantly against you. So I would be looking for trying to figure out where they're coming and going to get to that spot or from that spot. I think you're going to find. You know, maybe he's side hilling to get there. Maybe he's going up over a saddle. I, I think there's going to be a topography feature somewhere that is a better spot to kill him versus right where that camera is. But I think you need to run cameras there and then figure out kind of where the line of travel is. And from there, there's got to be a spot somewhere that's going to give you a better like outlook or better odds, we'll say, in your favor with the wind and thermals. Because I'll tell you right now, I mean – 
I've obviously never been to this spot, but I can picture this because I've hunted western Pennsylvania. That buck is bedding there, and a lot of bucks will will bed there um, in spots like that right off the top because they can see down below, and a lot of times the, with the thermals and with the way the wind works, diving up over that top and down into them, they can wind everything coming from behind them. So it's basically a perfect setup, but, but. He's going to be coming and going from there somewhere. So maybe it's a side hill, like I said. Maybe it's a saddle. Maybe he's using a little spur ridge to get to that spot. you got to figure out where the best ambush spot's going to be. But it sounds to me like you got a hell of a spot narrowed down, and you're in the right area. Now you just need to kind of fine-tune your hang-and-bang setup to get in there and get his ass killed. But, I mean, I like I like where your head's at because you've already obviously found a spot that, is going to, you know, probably has produced pictures, I'm assuming, or has produced sightings. So, you know, at some point he's in there and he, and he likes to be in there. And that's half the battle, especially with mountain bucks like what's over there in Western Pennsylvania. I mean, you know, it's not like he's probably got a ton of ag, I'm, I'm going to assume. So it's a totally different game hunting those bucks. So I like where his head's at and I like kind of the, the philosophy behind what he's doing. I'm just going to say fine tune that setup a little bit and find a better ambush spot than right there on the top of that hill or right over that ridge where the wind's a little more in your favor. And like I said, man, go in there and get him killed, dude. That'd be fucking awesome. Cool, man. I think you killed every question. Um, There's some we are missing, but you kind of answered a lot of those um, within other... I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think if we... Did we... Is there anything that we? I mean, I, I tried reading through them today just so I could mentally like think about like, did we? Unless uh, I'm not seeing something, I think we. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we kind of covered. You know, when when you answer a question in full detail like you do, Clint, you kind of knock out five or six other questions at a time. Right? At a time, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're good there. Um, didn't uh, if I'm trying to remember correctly, didn't someone? It might have been Connor. Did he have a question on there? I thought you answered it. I, I'm, hold on, let me check. The old, yeah, I think it was on Facebook. I think I'm, you might have answered trying. it with another uh, question, which is maybe why I skipped right it. Right there. Um, oh, okay. No, I did. We were on whitetails, so I skimmed over it. I want to keep on whitetails. What tactic does Clint feel his biggest secret to success before he leaves Ohio for a Western hunt? Oh, that's that's a good that's a good one, but that's a simple answer. That, Sorry, Connor, I was, we were whitetail, so I stuck with whitetail questions. Yeah, I thought I, I thought he had something on there that was that was like off. Is he paying the, you? What the hell is going on here? Yeah, right? on there. <laughs> off the edge. So, uh, secret to success if I'm leaving Ohio, hundred uh, percent the mental game, no doubt, no doubt about it. You got you got to mentally be in it to win it. With like stop, quit can't do it all that shit's not even in your thoughts not even in your your mental process um yeah i mean going in on hunts like that you've got to mentally be like there's no ifs ands or buts about it i'm going to get it done and that's the mentality you got to have from start to finish if you don't you will crumble like a fucking cookie 100% i mean the out of state hunts especially on public dude they can humble and just destroy somebody the best of the best bow hunters, if you don't go into those hunts and stay in those hunts with the, the, the mental attitude of there is no quit, there is no going home, I, I'm going to get it done. If it's not today, it's tomorrow. If it's not the next day, it's the next day. Without that mentality, 
you may as well stay at home and donate your fucking tag back. Just eat it. <laughs> oh, Damn. It's make tough sure, out here. Make sure you have gas in your vehicle also. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that would be a good one too. And potentially, uh, God, I mean, you just never know what might happen out of state. I would bring at least one box of condoms and two things of lube, but that's just me. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. Good gosh. <laughs> what, do you, what do you consider a thing? Like a gallon? Well, you know, I mean, right. a, a gallon. I mean, you definitely want one big enough that has the pump handle on it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. I mean, I, easy I, didn't, access, know, I you know. didn't know if you were getting like those like Arby's packet size, you know, little loops. Oh god, like, you know, back to the go. goddamn oh, Arby's. There we go. <laughs> Clint, just for you, I will get a picture of me slamming a uh, a double roast beef. In I, probably, the stand. I probably have uh, one on my phone. God, not that'd a, be a not great, stand, that, that would be an awesome picture to have. I'd probably put that, instead of having the boys as my background on my phone, I'd probably switch it to that. Sorry, Whoa. Ethan and Keaton, Dude, but Steve yeah, with the Arby's shield about to go in his mouth is going to override you. Dude, can you, can you imagine if I found an Ar- like a camo Arby's hat? Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I can't imagine you any sexier than you are now, but with that, that would probably top it. Dude. Damn, let's find if it. If he got that picture, you probably change it to his Tinder profile picture. Or Steve with the <laughs> RVs in a tree stand. Clint, I appreciate the fuck out of you, I might add. For and sure. I think that we're going to have a couple podcasts for sure before Whitetail season kicks off here. Well, for sure, one uh, August 24th and 25th. Yep, you better be yeah. there. In Illinois. Um, I really hope you kill a bear, man. That would be incredible. And we'll do a follow-up podcast from that. You got is, this. You're is there anything you want to add? Is there any advice that you need to tell the people out there? Episode 307 of Working Class Bowhunter. I, I'm a little bothered by some of these comments that say we changed, man. That bugs me. Yeah. Yeah, man, I don't – man, fuck, I just don't see that, man. I see growth. I can't Growth express. is change, right? So we're, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I see growth. I see – I don't like change. Just, yeah. <laughs> I just see constant, you know, constant striving for, for you know, better podcasts, better guests, better, better content, better website. I mean, it's just continued to go up and up and up. And, I mean, I can't – I can't express how much I'm appreciative and how much I love the fuck out of you guys for having me on and and letting me kind of, you know, do the blog and come on and kind of be a free for all on the on the episodes and just fucking go at it and talk about what I'm passionate about and what I love to do and and I mean you know it's been so much fun to be able to you know kind of have a small little piece to the pie of this whole puzzle that that, that you guys got going on. I mean it's it's just cool to sit back and watch like. I watched, uh, you know, I watched the uh, the deal with Drury's yesterday or, or today, uh, this morning actually, and got to see, you know, them with, with with Kurt on there. And and dude, I mean, that's the that's the peak, man. I mean, Drury's that that's that's the peak, dude. Like you're 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 you know you're collaborating with those guys who, I mean, have been the industry leader in all forms of media, videography, photography. I mean, the, the the dudes are all killers. They're great people. I mean, to be at that level. And to be able to be doing what you guys are doing, putting out, you know, the the collaboration of not only guests and episodes, but just the live stuff and and, and what you guys do for the sport, uh, bow hunting in general. I mean, it's a it it's honestly it's it's just exciting as fuck. I mean, in plain words, I mean, I'm I'm pumped for y'all. I'm proud of all of you. You guys work your balls off, and it motivates me, man. It does. I mean, I love being a part of this because. It's it's a motivational tool for me. Like 
in my head, I'm like, you know what? There's there's nights where, for example, you know, I'm I'm freaking tired. I don't want to go do this. You know, like I don't want to go to the gym or, or I don't want to shoot tonight or whatever. And I think about like, you know what, man? There's fucking guys on that podcast that they expect me to go get it done on this bear hunt. I mean, I I think of all of you guys like that. I mean, just good fucking buddies that are you guys expect me to go get shit killed, and go get shit done. I mean, you guys blow me up on this podcast. I expect nothing I can't, less. Yeah, I mean, I, you better kill one. I, yeah. God damn it! Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I can't I can't thank you guys enough for letting me on come on this platform <laughs> and be myself and do what I do in conjunction with you guys. Um, change. Yeah, I see change, but I see fucking good change is what I see. I see change, and I see growth, and I see the WCB going to the fucking top. You're either with us or you're beneath us, period. That's what I see. <laughs> God damn. God damn. What, what, they, they hate us because they hate us. Yeah. Fucking they hate us. Peanut hey. butter and jealous. Fucking mic if, drop. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> hey. And also, right. to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's right. Or if and you're Steve, a UFC and Steve fan, is the fucking man. Believe what? What, what does Michael Bisping say that everyone makes fun of? Oh, I have no idea. I can't. Oh, the, um, the fucking Believe Land shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is the corny stuff. <laughs> See, believe, achieve. Anyway. Thank yeah, that, you. That's, anyway. the, that's the white guy version of live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you, Clint, man, for everything you do for us. Uh, yeah, we appreciate course, the hell out of you, man. Yeah, yeah, we really do. Of course, a high-energy podcast like we expected. We're going to do a roundtable closeout here, and then we're going to call her good. And sorry, Tank, that you're just in my line of sight every time I, I know, talk. You're, you're staring at me, and I'm is like, he I, going don't, first? I don't have anything. It's just, you're direct. <laughs> Let, you, you, want me, you want me to start it off? Yep, Eric, All you're, right. you're first. Clint, you know, we appreciate the hell out of you, and you better kill a fucking bear next week. Yeah. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. don't ever talk to us again. Yeah, don't so. ever, yeah, you're never going to be on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. lose my number, <laughs> loser. <laughs> Doug? Clint? <laughs> you, can, you can keep my number, Clint, even if you don't. Right. But I believe in okay. you. Okay. <laughs> That's his positive note. It's uh, it's been a crazy year helping you guys out, being kind of a part of this. It's uh, it's been pretty amazing. The ride that I've, I've been a part of. This has just been. Incredible. He got thrown right into the wolves right out the gate. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It was like ATA. Hey, guess what? Yeah, look at all these people. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, and you get and you get I'm to like, go. I, I'm like, who am I? <laughs> I'm a roadie. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. Your motherfucking tank. That's who you are. The Your tank. motherfucking tank. That's right. Steve, how you doing, man? Oh, um, man. All right. My closing word. <laughs> I, say, I say Kurt, no. mute him. Say, uh, uh, Clint, you know, thanks for sticking around as long as you have. I mean, when we first met you, it was awesome. Appreciate the hell out of you always uh, representing us. Dude, get out there. Go kill a bear. <laughs> And I will let you sip, sip for my pimp chalice when I see you maybe January, uh, July 20th. Steve, Steve, take a lap. All right, I'm, I'm taking a lap, guys. That's, that's all the motivation <laughs> I need. <laughs> I'm excited about some, my something positive. <clears throat> excuse me. Is that Clint will be at the shoot, and uh, he will 100% be at the shoot. Yep. And there's no doubt that he won't be there because he will be there. That's half the reason why we're selling tickets. The he question, might he might be there, but he will be the there. The question is, to change. is he going to outshoot Steve? For sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. You Wait, know he might. Pay. You don't know. Hey, I wonder if Clint's going to enter to win that Lone Wolf Custom Gear setup. Ooh. Oh. No, oh. no, the deer in Ohio do not need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's just assault. 
That's assault. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's assault with a deadly I, I think, tree I think, he, I think he might shoot Steve. That'd be cool. I'm cool. That'd be cool. Everybody supports it. He better, he better double lung me because, dude, I'll live. I got a lot of mass, dude. You can't liver hit that boy. That liver's already been hit, son. He just puts one through your ankle. They can replace those. I don't need it anyway. Now I get to have my lifelong dream of being in a wheelchair at Walmart. Dude, Steve's liver's like a freaking... A dried-up prune? A reason. Dude, it's like a damn agate straight out of the river, man. You know what much Bush lights been filtered through that damn Gee liver. Christmas, uh, dude, you gonna hit that thing with a fixed blade broadhead? It, 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 it bounce off and hit the guts, dude. Who just spiked it? Who's hit the? Who hit Doris? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not shot Steve. That was, dude, that was Steve's iron liver. Dude, Steve's got bloodborne pathogens. His liver is hard as fuck. <laughs> Shit was iron oh over. It's like, a, it's like a fucking brick. The fucker's got rust on it. <laughs> God, that replaced the well, boy. Dude, Steve's got tinnitus. He couldn't even hear his liver. <laughs> All right, we got to close her out here. It's getting wild. Clint, thank you so much, man. Hey, close us out with the go shoot your bow. I'll end her there. Let me let me just real quick fucking say to everybody, appreciate the shit out of the support. It's always been fun. It always is fun. It's a great time coming on here. I love all the, the feedback and the comments, man, even the shit about me and Steve. I enjoy that, even though I try to keep that under wraps. I don't want anyone getting in on my territory. Fucking, I get territorial over Steve, but it's it fine. Still got piss smell in my house. <laughs> Chase your dreams, not your liquor. Go shoot your bow, ladies and gentlemen. We love you. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.